Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got to get the intro going. What is going on? What is up? We got Steven Andrade in the house. That's right. In the movie dojo, hanging out with the samurai guy on a Friday night. Brother, how are you been? And welcome uh, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. How about you? Great, great, great. Just having a crazy, crazy busy week, man. Videos and edits and guests. Guests, you know, that uh, very, very has the gift to... uh make you know awesome creative artwork uh, you know uh, quick, quick, quick segue to the guests that we have here amongst us but yeah man uh thanks for coming in and hanging out uh with the movie dojo army here and uh yeah you know it's funny because uh <laughs> i had a few other artists on here before like dan mumford and and it's kind of funny because um uh how i discovered your art is actually kind of hilarious to me so i will we'll get to the story here but before before we get to my story, what what was the calling? When did you get the calling? There's like <laughs> I need to pick up the brush, the pencil, and start creating the glorious art. Well, when did that I mean, happen? I mean, as as cliche as it is, like I feel like I've been drawing all the time ever since I was young enough, you know, old enough to pick up a pencil or whatever. I remember uh, I had when I was a kid, I always had a lot of comic books around the house. I think like some of my parents' friends like just gave them a huge box of old comics, most of them no covers. But I, I grew up reading like Spider-Man and Batman from the late 70s and the early 80s. And so that was the first thing was like, oh, superheroes. And then from there, moved on to discovering like super friends and the cartoons and things like that. That's right. And then uh, I went to school, um, graduated from art school back in 99 uh, with the idea I was going to go into children's book illustration. And I spent a few years sending out samples and getting nothing back and doing like what most people who graduate from art school do. You take a job somewhere. And I was working in an art supply store. Um, and, uh, you know, again, just like trying to get some work and things were really going nowhere. And then I just decided, you know what, I'm going to start painting some things that I enjoy for me more than what I think other people might see. There you go. And I started getting into doing um, more pop culture themed stuff. And uh, not long after that, I discovered Gallery 1988 in L.A., um, kind of like the the name for the pop culture art gallery. There's a there's a whole bunch of other ones that have come up since, too. Um, and I saw their stuff and I said, I, I feel like this is a good match. So I sent them a couple samples of things I had done just for fun. I had a spinal tap piece that I did just for me. Um, I had a, a Flash Gordon, like Sam J. Jones piece that I did. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies. Oh, yeah. And they said, uh, and they <laughs> said, you know, OK, yeah, we'd love to see more of your stuff. And um, my first show with them, I believe, was 2012. Uh, the Crazy for Colt show. Uh, they'd done it in a pop up shop in New York. And I did a piece inspired by tim burton's ed wood movie and uh 
that went over really well. The piece sold. I and I was like, wow, this is this is cool. I can do some more of this. And then shortly after that, as I was doing work, I started getting more and more into the pulp magazines of the 1930s, 40s, and, and early 50s. And I decided to try to mash, mesh my love of pulp magazines with modern movies or, you know, at least contemporary movies yeah. and pop culture. And uh, I started doing my my fake pulp covers, which have um, su- surprisingly to me, because it's always like this is stuff that I find really cool. And I'm always amazed that other people find it cool. And I'm incredibly yeah. gratified. Um, and it's really started to take <laughs> off. And I'm, you know, it's led me to have uh, this past September at Gallery 1988 had a solo show um, where I focused on reinterpreting 80s movies and TV with uh, pulp covers. And it, it did far better than I ever could have hoped. So um, I feel like my direction is is doing pretty well and it's, it's gathering some fans. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. And, uh, and it, 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 you, it is correct, you know, where it states on your Instagram where pop culture meets pulp. You know, or the reverse. I probably said it wrong, but it's all right. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah, it works. But yeah, that's what it is. It's very fascinating, man. I really, I was like, man, I never, I don't think I've honestly seen a mixture like this before, to be honest. And it's very, it's very, very original. Well, thanks. But, but now it's time for my story of how Mm -hmm. I uh, came across your artwork. So this is pretty funny now. Well, it's more funny to me, but now I know what you're thinking. All right, samurai guy. I know the guy likes action, martial arts, horror. He must have seen one of my cool, badass, you know, artworks or prints or something like that. What got what 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 made him notice me? Right? Are you ready for this? I want to hear. It. Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yes. So good. yes. <laughs> yes, my buddy. I see that one clip, and all I can think of is Mystery Science Theater. Like, yeah. does this bug you? I'm not touching you. Yeah. <laughs> does this bug you? I'm not touching you. Oh, God, do, yeah. do something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's really funny because my buddy, uh, he knows how we are in Mystery Science Theater. Me and my wife are huge Mystery Science Theater fans. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mystery Science Theater might be the greatest show of all time. It's definitely I mean, up there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just so good. And... I always use this movie. Oh, we got some of the movie dojo army in the house. What's going on, guys? Frank, Heather, Kaiju, what's going on? Uh, but it's it's funny because when people always say to me, man, I saw that movie. That movie was the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm like, really? Waterworld? Really? Waterworld's the worst film you've ever seen in your whole life. Are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? And I whip out the whole Manos, the Hands of Fate story, and I show it. I show it to them, and they can't. They tap because people, <laughs> people. When you watch a lot of movies like like we do, mm-hmm. right? There's different levels of bad. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. There's there's yeah. bad movies that are uh, just bad movies, and you're like, well, that sucked. That was a waste of time. Yeah. Um, I want my hour and a half back. Right. There are bad movies that are just so bad it's like a car crash and you can't look away and then there's the ones that are so incredibly bad like manos it's like god it's hilarious it's it enters like a realm of a realm of genius that is uh 
accidental you know it's like people talk about ed wood's movies but like i don't know compared to compared to that manos is just it's so many levels above there was a, a perfect storm of just incompetence terrible acting and just you know a lot of like wtf tf moments of like oh what? yeah i know oh we got here uh, we yes, got manos kaiju saying it's manos uh, Miami Connection is a masterpiece. I, I recently <laughs> saw that. Um, I watched it through the filter of the MST3 guys yes. doing the riff tracks of it because I don't think I could have sat through it <laughs> without it. But yes, uh, my favorite oh, part of that one is the guy uh, strumming the bass. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, strumming the bass. Strumming you know? the bass. <laughs> strumming air bass. Yeah. Doing air kung fu kicks on stage. Oh. Dragon sound, son. Singing about. Singing about fighting ninjas, fight the ninja, and, gotta and fight friendship, the ninja. and friendship. <laughs> That's right. I mean, come on, it's the greatest movie ever. Uh, but yeah, so I, a buddy of mine. Uh, it's funny we, we're talking about Miami Connection because that was the, that was the movie somebody else saw that I know, and they mm-hmm. were like, "Dude, this is the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life." <laughs> and I gave him the Manos Hands of Fate challenge because it's actually mm-hmm. on YouTube without cheating without the without the mystery science theater or riff tracks like just the movie and i said watch it and i I guarantee you within 10 to 15 minutes you're gonna tap he's like man i got this (laughs) he's like i got this this ain't nothing 10 15 i think it was 10 minutes maybe eight minutes he's like i can't do this and i was (laughs) laughing because i was like yeah that's bad if you want to talk bad but anyway uh yeah torgo and friends you know we we love us some torgo <laughs> yeah and of course you know in this episode torgo showing up at the end of the you know delivering pizza was hilarious mm-hmm. but the this was the shot i'm gonna i'm gonna show it right now for chat and everybody watching my buddy goes he sent me this he's like dude this guy's awesome i just discovered his artwork check this out boom he sent it to me uh via uh instagram Bam, baby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, yo, what is like, oh my God, I got to look up this guy's stuff. <laughs> but yeah, it has the whole retro pulp vibe and look to, to this, man. It's great. You know? Thank you. But yeah, this, this is great. This one I was looking at a lot of, uh, I was looking at Robert McGinnis covers. He did a lot of like, uh, kind of action and thriller covers in the 60s and there's always a, yeah. you know a sexy woman being menaced right and you know looking back at it because i'm not this is a problem is like i'm always hypercritical of my own work so like i always see the things that are in my mind like the the flaws so i'm like oh i really should have pushed the beginner stuff more i should have done like more texture in the back and like right. just really elongated her or made her like one of those skinny supermodels but right. i still i still like the piece my my Favorite part about this, I will say, though, is the little Torgo Books logo in the corner. That was my favorite thing to do in the whole piece. Oh, <laughs> I didn't see that. I see it now. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Uh, oh, oh, chat. They're already saying, uh, Kaiju says, that is sick. He loves it. Oh, we're getting requests already. Do do one for Miami <laughs> Connection now, baby. Come on, let's go. Oh, the room. That's it. Uh, I, you know, crazy. I still have not seen the room. It's one of those movies that, like, again, I've seen so much uh, pop culture artwork come out of it, and I've seen enough, like, memes and clips and stuff that I'm like, okay, I know this movie is going to be bonkers. Um, yeah. I just well, talk about 
what you just said earlier about uh, movies where they're so bad you can't look away. Yeah, the room is perfect. <laughs> it's the it's perfect, man. But yeah, Manos. I showed that to my wife. She was dying laughing. She so the like, thing about Manos amazing. that I love though is that, and one of the things that inspired me to do that piece is like I feel like if somebody were were to take the idea of the story and take all the elements and remake it with you know talent and yeah. a camera that could hold more than a 30 second film reel at a time so it wasn't right. all those wacky quick cuts right and maybe a better special effects budget so torgo wasn't just a guy with big knees um <laughs> but i feel like there could actually be a pretty decent horror flick in there if somebody would just remake yeah. it. stop remaking classic horror movies take get your manoses yeah. get your movies that are just you know subpar and just yeah. take a whack at them yeah, your manos, your manoses, your troll twos, you know, <laughs> which we'll get to a little bit later with troll two. Uh, but yeah, I mean, with the whole cult mm-hmm. vibe, I mean, you yeah. could do a serious. I manos. feel like you can, you know, you can add a Lovecraftian element. You can make like the yeah. hand of fate a giant monster living underneath the lodge. Um, you know, maybe make the dad not so much of a dick. <laughs> that might be helpful. Targo. Yeah, <laughs> dad was horrible, man. Oh, uh, but yeah, that I was sold after that. Um, well, thank you. And uh, <laughs> and again, you also did a piece on uh, the Mystery Science. Well, Theater Mystery Box. Science Theater was um, I discovered it in college. Uh, my roommate was a huge Mystery Science Theater fan. He's like, you got to watch this. And at that time, I was on Comedy Central. It was like like two in the morning or something ridiculous. Which yeah. is you know now it's like feels like hell to me but back then i was like oh yeah two in the morning no big deal and i just fell in love with it because i i i love that old cheesy sci-fi stuff and oh, yeah. um so then when time came and we were able to do um you know doing a, a television themed show for gallery 1988 this is the first one that popped in my mind i'm like i gotta oh, yeah. do msc3k the only hard part was editing down which episodes to put in the background it's like i gotta find ones that you can mostly identify yeah, but you know, had to throw in some personal favorites like you yeah. know, like Manos there, the master. Manos, I see uh, the brain that wouldn't die there. The brain that went ah, oh, such I'm a good one. Some Tor Johnson down yep, there. Yep, Trumpy's kind of hidden behind the title, but you can see <laughs> his trunk there. There's uh the chicken, uh, Captain Chicken Man from yeah. Crankor from yeah. one of the Japanese uh, sci-fi hero the Prince movies. Of Space is one of those. One of those. Yeah, yeah Prince yeah, of Space yeah. or Space Chief. Yeah. I forget which one. Space Chief. Man, we're just going to talk Mystery Science Theater. I know. Great, that's man. We're going to hijack it and just talk MCPK <laughs> I, don't have, time. I don't have a problem with that. But I love <laughs> how you uh, did uh, Tom Servo and Joel, and Joel Hodgson and uh, uh, Crow T. Robot. Great, great stuff, man. Definitely. Thank you. Definitely. It's actually my daughter was only a couple months old when I did that. And I have a picture of her somewhere like sitting on my lap as I'm painting Crow and like doing the shadow detail yeah. on it. So it's pretty fun. It's a pretty fun snapshot of where I was at that time. Nice, nice. Now, do you do uh, advertisements as well here? Well, this was for a show in uh, for 1988 that was all based upon L.A. It's, uh, okay. they, every year, every couple of years, they do a, a We Love L.A. show. Gotcha. And uh, I've only been a couple times out to, like I said uh, earlier before we started, I have a brother who lives out there. He's got his own uh, trailer cutting company. Yeah. Um, but the few times that we've gone out there, like one of the things my wife and I always did is like, we got to hit in and out burger. So when he <laughs> said like LA show, I'm like, that's the first thing that popped in my head. Like big, you know, nerd that I am like, Oh, yeah. in and out burger. Those are yeah. good burgers. So then, uh, 
I took that idea and the whole animal style secret menu and then yeah. uh, kind of yeah. gave it like an EC comics treatment. With Love that. It. And yeah, this was, this was a favorite one. And this is one of the ones um, I said again, before we started, you know, the broadcast that I'm amazed that, uh, that, you know, people respond to my work that, you know, feel about it the same way I do, which is, it's a great feeling. And somebody has this original painting. This is uh, me I posed for, and my wife took the picture. So someone has a painting on their wall of me as a werewolf eating an In-N-Out burger. And that is the most bonkers shit I can <laughs> Like, every time I think of that, I'm like, who? But who has it? It's, like, amazing to me. Wow, wow. But, yeah, Wolfman eating an In-N-Out burger. Animal style is great. Love it. <laughs> Uh, chat over here saying uh, great artwork, dude. Thank you. Right here. Uh, Flix is in the house. It says beautiful. That's right. Thank you. Yeah, they're, they're digging it, my friend. Now, when when was the first time you saw Troll 2? Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> um, pretty recently. My, my horror movie and sci-fi movie knowledge actually came a lot later than, you know, some people I, I know who are or other artists or people who are fans of like, you know, I used yeah. to see it when I was like eight years old and stuff. And like, it never happened that way for me. Yeah. Um, it was pretty much college or beyond and some stuff in high school. Troll two is, I would say the first time I saw, I'd heard about it. I'd heard all these things like the world's worst movie. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then I'd saw it probably about, you know, 10 or 12 years ago. And I was like, wow, that's up yeah. there. That's a contender. Oh, yeah. like, I don't know Definitely. if it takes the prize <laughs> for the world's worst, but yeah, I think I think Manos has it beat a little. I mean, I guess there's a lot that, of dead air. I guess. Yeah, I guess that Troll 2 actually did can have laugh at some it. production value. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and some Oscar caliber acting, too. I mean, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, my God. Uh, Literally. The, the uh, making out and eating corn and the popcorn scene. I'm still trying to figure out what the hell that was all about. I was waiting for her to kill him. No, she was just the in evil for... witch trans- yeah, she... makes herself hot as a disguise just to make out with one of the the t- you know one of the college kids or teenagers <laughs> or whatever, and they make out and then it's they're eating corn together. I'm not making this up, chat. They're eating corn together <laughs> in a sexual manner, and then popcorn appears, and then they're surrounded by popcorn, and that's the end of the scene. That's it. That's it. There's some really um, great uh, drama club caliber acting going on in there too, especially <laughs> the woman playing her. Witch. Yeah, yes, she's like, yes. yeah. It's oh like that God. gave me watching that gave me flashbacks to like doing high school productions. I'm like, oh yeah, I know exactly where she's coming from. There you go, Flix. Uh, he owns a copy. There you go. Have you seen um, uh, the the documentary? Yes, I, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Like to, just seeing the people, especially the people who own it, and are like, right? Yeah, this was terrible. The, um, I felt bad for the woman who played the daughter, who was like, I had to take it off my resume because people would see it and like just <laughs> wouldn't even bother auditioning. Uh, and then you know, of course the 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 guy who played the father and seeing his arc as like, he really became, I don't know, a little inflated with his own importance for being part of the worst movie. And then it's like, well, yeah, but it's just, it's just a crappy movie, you know? Well, like he, it was cool. It's cool when they embrace it. Mm -hmm. But then when he got stupid at the end, it was just like, yo, look at these people. Ah." Yeah. I was like, dude, 
come on, just just embrace it and be happy that you were in a goofy movie and then just call it a day. But he got all weird later in the documentary. Like he was like yeah. looking. He started to look down on the fans. Yeah, he started to get that like every you know that self importance that when people right not realizing that the reason people love you is because you're a terrible actor. Yeah, he started getting like this. <laughs> oh yeah, I was what doing good stuff. Yeah, like, we don't piss on hospitality. I mm-hmm. won't allow it. Yeah, and then just I mean, finding out about the director and how wackadoo that guy was. That yeah, like, that guy's convinced like it's a it's a great movie. I mean, he yeah. was saying serious <laughs> things about vegetarianism. It's like, were you though? <laughs> I know. Although I gotta say too, like um, another movie that I I hadn't seen in years and years and years, and I went back after watching Troll Two. I went back and watched Troll. I'm like. Mm-hmm. It's not that much better. <laughs> no, it's, it's pretty bad. I mean, at least there's a troll in there, so it's got that going for it. Yeah, but yeah. Not not such a high bar. Everyone's like, "Oh, troll two is so bad." It's like, eh, "Have you seen Troll One lately? It's not great." <laughs> yeah, Troll Two, uh, the movie with no trolls in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. but it's it's Nilbog. Nilbog is goblet spelled backwards. Oh my god, it's so <laughs> funny. Oh, uh, have you seen Samurai Cop? This is another great one. I've not seen Samurai. Cop. Oh, you're gonna. I, love it's that another one. one I've heard of. Unfortunately, my uh, my movie watching time um, with a, a kid is just it's not as much as it used to be. Right. I used to. My wife and I used to love watching cheesy horror movies. We're like, yeah. this looks like crap. Let's put it on and see. <laughs> um, and sometimes we'd strike gold and be like, oh my god, this is so yeah, bad. It's funny. That's us. Um, that's us. That's kind of how yeah. we discovered like pieces. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, classic all I got over that the top one. slasher yeah. um and uh but lately you know we don't have as much time with the kid who doesn't go to bed until late so we can't really right. watch you know gory over the top <laughs> horror movies you know right you don't right. want to traumatize her i guess <laughs> so we have yeah. to like actually pick and choose like yeah maybe we should watch something that you know yeah has some sort of quality to it yeah <laughs> but, but one no, day you got one day i'm in, sure you, i'll be able to you got to sneak them in when you can. I know. I mean, that's Especially how I snuck Samurai in Miami Cop. Connection. I like Don't watch it. Samurai Cop 2. <laughs> Don't do it. Because right, Samurai Cop watched. 2, unfortunately, Samurai Cop was, people love it because it's bad. Because mm-hmm. they tried to make a good Lethal Weapon ripoff and failed. That's why it's special. <laughs> right? Samurai Cop 2, the same original actors came back mm-hmm. and tried to do a sequel but they were in on the joke. Uh, see, that's the so surest just... way to kill uh, a movie. Is um, there was some movie? What was it called? Dead and Breakfast, I think it was called. Right. And it was trying so hard to be Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> it was trying so hard, and it was like, it's like, oh, you're you're doing too much. Like you gotta, you, you had the bones there to have a, yeah. a good cult movie, but you're like trying to t- check off like every single box of like this is makes it a cult movie, right? We'll have a musical number. Ah, <laughs> oh, you don't need it. I think I've seen that movie once, but it was so long ago, I don't remember yeah. it. I mean, again, that's when my wife and I had time to watch crap movies, and we were yeah. like, let's just, this looks like crap, let's watch it. <laughs> it's fun sometimes, because you do it find some hidden, some hidden gems. I love finding, uh, like, not just the crap movies, I love finding the hidden gems of good movies, too. Oh, yeah. Um, like, yeah. when you're going back, um, mm-hmm. one of my personal favorites is uh, Dead and Buried, uh, Dan O'Bannon mm. wrote that, and I think, I want to say directed it, too. That's on 4K um, now. And that's one that, like, I feel more people should know about. I feel like it's got a lot of good stuff going for it. And I feel like it's kind of an, an undis- not necessarily undiscovered, but an unappreciated gem. Gotcha, gotcha. My most recent favorite discovery uh, is a movie that came out in the 80s called Lady Terminator. 
<laughs> it is amazing. It is it's it's bad, but it's so entertaining and actually kind of badass at points, mm-hmm. like legit action. Yeah, Lady Terminator is great. We just we just <laughs> we just did a review on it. If you want to check out the review, I'll have to do that. We'll, we show little clips in there for you. But dude, oh my god, Lady Terminator is is like a delight. Seriously. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the artwork here. So yeah, Troll Two. I really enjoyed this piece here because you combined. We got Little Shop of Horrors, the Troll 2 setting, Neilbog. We got our boy Stephen King from Creep Show in the back. And of course, Children of the Corn down at the bottom here. What made you combine all these? Well, if you look up close at the, the basket <sighs> that uh, Jordy Verrill is carrying in the back, there you'll see it's filled <clears throat> with killer tomatoes, too. Oh, my God. Um, my <laughs> take on this was like there were a bunch of horror movies with horticulture themed menaces, yeah. and I wanted to put them all together. Oh, and that's brilliant. Do that. Um, this is another one I'm, you know, talking about. I'm self-critical. It's like I really liked my idea. I really liked my drawing, and then when the time came to paint it, I realized I didn't have great reference for lighting on them, so I had to make up hmm. a lot of stuff. So, like, I always look at this one and I see a lot of things like ah, I should have been better. I should have figured out the lighting and whatever. But I but still overall, think that, you're pleased with it. Uh, uh, the concept. I, right, I really gotcha. was happy with the concept, and uh, this was. The first one I did a couple pieces. This was again for uh, Gallery 1988. This is for the annual Crazy for Cult show. Um, and I did a few pieces where I'm like, you know what? I'd like to just take a bunch of different cult movies with a similar theme and put yeah. it into one piece. Yeah. And this is one of uh, one of three that I've done yeah. for the, that idea. Well, I think it looks great. I think. Well, thank great. you. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I didn't notice the the killer tomatoes there. That, that's even better. <laughs> awesome. You know, my a buddy of mine just recently uh, told me, I think it was like a couple, couple months ago, he was like, bro, I just bought the entire Twilight Zone box set on DVD. And he's like, I'm watching these episodes and I'm enjoying <laughs> it. And I'm kind of jealous because that was a that's a, such a iconic and fantastic show that I, I've been, I'm, I've been kind of holding out. Like, I haven't watched it in so long. I mean, it's mm. been a long time. Uh, some episodes I do remember that I enjoyed about the man with, you know, he was the last man on earth, you know, and he had, mm-hmm. he yeah. loved reading books. Oh yeah. Classic. And then he broke his glasses at the end, mm-hmm. which sucked, but it was a great Time episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, everybody knows this episode. I mean, come on, like, you know, got some Shatner there. There's something <laughs> Always on the, love the Shatner. Something on the, on the wing. <laughs> something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, there's some, I do remember. But I I've been kind of holding out, like, come on, Blu-ray, come on, like, there's so <laughs> many, you know, I'm sure it looks great on DVD, mm-hmm. but it's just like, come on, because I that I Samurai Guy sometimes it's cursed, like I'll finally buy it, I'll give in, I'll finally buy it on DVD, and then it'll come out on Blu-ray. It's like really, <laughs> really. So, but yeah, I do want to rewatch it uh, for sure. If it's on some streaming service, do you know if it's streaming on? Um, right now, it's you can watch it all on Hulu. Uh, with oh, commercials. shit! Okay. Um, and uh, since it's owned by CBS, uh, I think it's all streaming on Paramount Plus. Um, okay, so I'll watch it. On Hulu. I got Hulu for sure. Yeah, I mean, if you don't mind sitting through the ads, yeah, that's fine. All right, awesome. But uh, yeah, I would love to. Hopefully, one day we get a Blu-ray release of Twilight Zone for sure. But man, I love this piece. Thank you. That's a uh, that's again for the again. Most of these were done with Gallery 1988. They've been uh, primary gallery I've worked with. 
uh, and they've been great. Um, and this one was for another year's uh, yeah. television show, the Idiot Box show. And uh, I was like, well, I got to do Twilight Zone because it's one of my favorite series. Like what you said earlier, Mystery Science Theater is the greatest show at all time. Uh, I'd, I'd kind of fight you and say, oh, I think Twilight Zone <laughs> edges it out. Um, but uh, Twilight Zone for me, I, I just really love it. I love rewatching it. Um, my brothers and I have two brothers, one in L.A. and one in Connecticut. And we uh, have our Twilight Zone podcast called Sound, Sight and Mind. Uh, where we talk nice. about Twilight Zone episodes. We talk about them three at a time. We try to pick three episodes that have a common theme and just talk about those. Uh, we hit a bit of a hiatus uh, during you know the height of the pandemic. So yeah. we just recorded a new episode for this past Halloween. It was the first one we did in about one and a half years. Um, nice. Nice. But yeah, we love, it. yeah. And it's great rewatching it too, because you pick out all the little nuances and details. And um, for this piece, I tried to come up with, you know, some of the most classic characters and iconography in there. The one thing I'm missing is the gremlin on the wing of the plane. I was trying <laughs> to work it in. I was like, ah, I don't know if I could. Now, it in now how long did it take to do this piece? You know, I can't say. <laughs> I know it's, it's all a blur. I know it's annoying because like it's it's a lot of working at night. I still have a uh, a day job. I actually make signs for a Trader Joe's store doing like oh, signs right. and artwork um, because I like having a guaranteed steady paycheck gotcha. and, um, you know, health insurance, of course, is a big yeah. deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all done at night, you know, a couple hours here, a couple hours there. Um, and uh, this one, I remember the painting actually went pretty quickly. It was the uh, the drawing and getting all the elements at the right proportions and the right ratios and everything it took a little bit more time um, to do. Just And that's usually how it happens is that the planning takes a little bit longer and the painting usually goes fairly quickly. Um, but this one was also uh, fun to do for me because I loved doing the black and white but also a little bit of color, like a yeah, little bit of yeah. the purple star field in the back. Um, and then just, if you notice on, like on, on Rod, his, his reflected light kind of behind him is a little bit bluer. And so is the door frame. So I tr- kind yeah. of wanted to, you know, do little subtle things to mm-hmm. not just make it just plain black and white. Right. Right. Now, not, uh, not too long ago, we did like a, we have a show on, uh, we have a series on the channel called Versus. Mm-hmm. And uh, we put two movies together and talk about what we like and what we didn't like. And then we all vote, you know, for our personal preference, which one we like the best, right? So we did one for Chucky versus Dolls, mm-hmm. Child's Play versus Dolls. And we were, uh, it was brought up in discussion that the the Twilight Zone episode with the killer doll or involved the doll. Is that the mm-hmm. doll down there? Yep, that's Talky Tina from the episode Living Doll. Okay. Where, uh, she goes toe-to-toe with Telly Savalas in one of the greatest performances i think in twilight zone i gotta watch this uh, i gotta it, see it now, now is this, is this yeah. the first time we've had the killer doll i don't know it's definitely one of the earlier ones okay. um there's also i mean there's also the little alien robot looking guys that are on top of the door frame and on rod's shoulder there those are for an episode called the invaders which was written by richard Matheson about a woman who is terrorized by these tiny people who are coming into her house. Right. And right. he took that same idea and later expanded on it for the story. Um, God, I'm going to, I have a total 
brain fart now, but it was in Trilogy of Terror where Karen Black is terrorized by the little doll. Oh, so um, inspired. Yeah. Okay. I can't remember the name of the episode now. Of course, it's going to drive me nuts. But um, but he was working in the kind of the killer doll field too that way. Right, right. Well, Flix, if you're still here, Flix, let us know. I think he just reviewed that. <laughs> He's watching right now. Uh, all right, cool. I just wanted to make sure the, the to confirm. Uh, you never know. She might have been the first. She might have been. You I mean, I know. think probably haunted dolls are probably a, a pretty classic staple. Yeah. And you also did uh, individual episode artwork. Yeah. Well, it's, um, there was a period a couple of years ago where I was just, I was trying to, do some new stuff and um i really enjoy the work of people who can work in like a, a post or a um, mid-century modern look or a very like you know simplified design aesthetic um focusing a lot more on the graphic design than on you know painting right um and i'd seen um juan ortiz did a whole series of posters for star trek and lost in space yeah. where he did each episode individual poster and i thought that's really awesome like i'd love to do that with twilight zone so i started doing that and i've got um i've got a, a decent start i guess i think i have something like 18 or 19 so far oh um, nice out of you know 152 so yeah holy <laughs> somebody asked me once like when are you finished and i'm like oh 2045 at the rate i'm going right now <laughs> um but it's interesting because it flexes a different set of muscles i'm thinking a lot more about design um and uh kind of just using abstract shapes and um you know i'm i'm kind of a kind of a luddite when it comes to technology so i am using photoshop but i'm using it as bare bones as possible i'm trying to do as much stuff still by hand right um but you know it's a fun project for me and it's uh you know it's yeah. like I said, flexing a different set of muscles, which I think is always really important to do. Yeah. Copy that. What are you, what are you working on back there? Uh, back there, there's a piece that's uh, going to be coming up for a show. If I can finish it in time, there's uh, the 20 years later show um, for movies from 1991. And it always makes me very sad when I think that this movie that I'm doing um, came out 20 years ago. Cause I still think of it as kind of a newer movie. I'm <laughs> working on a piece inspired by Jeepers Creepers. All right. So All right. nice. that's uh, the painting in progress there. Um, okay. And my idea was to, you know, within that movie, the mythology is every 23 years, he right. has his feeding time. Right. So I did some basic math and went back and like, okay, so that would put it at uh, 1955 for like a, you know, a good pulpy magazine yeah. cover. So I'm like, okay, I'll do yeah. a 50 style car and make it like a 1955 pulp magazine. Hell so, yeah, that's gonna be cool. I can't wait yeah, to, check, if I to can, see that. If one. I can yeah. finish it. <laughs> Speaking of but you know, I'm right there with you, my friend, in terms of that movie's that old? <laughs> like know, it doesn't right? feel that old. You're just they like, just, I just it. took part in the nineteen eighty eight's Scream twenty fifth anniversary, and that made me depressed too. I'm like, <laughs> oh, twenty five years ago. You gonna watch the new movie? Um I probably at some point. Um again, very behind in movie watching. I think like yeah. the the last movie, the last like new movie I was able to see, I think was um, Richard Stanley's The Color Out of Space. And, yeah, uh, that was good. I liked it. And only that because one of my coworkers was like, you got to see this movie. Like, and Nick Cage is bonkers. I'm like, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> um, whatchamacallit, um, what do you think of the Jeepers Creepers rumor remake? 
that's been um, remaking. I don't. Rumor. I don't know. I feel like the movie yeah. has been diminishing returns with each sequel. Right. Right. I saw the second one. I'm like, okay, that's and especially knowing Victor Salva's past and like seeing you know a whole yeah school bus full of uh, teenagers <laughs> with their shirts off. I was like, ah, this is problematic. Yeah, and, uh, but you just I, I gotta. It's hard. It's it's hard sometimes, but we gotta. Mm-hmm. We, it's not the actors or the filmmakers' faults. Yeah, uh, that of uh, the director's fault. You know, they're there to to work hard and make a movie. So we have to celebrate the actors and the filmmakers yeah. that try to uh, make them separating movie. the art just... from the artist too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, um, isn't, it is no, interesting though. The original Jeepers Creepers. Um, when I was part of a, a podcast called the Cannibal Horror Cast, we talked horror movies. There was one it. episode we were talking Jeepers Creepers. Yeah, one of the guys that I was um, was part of the podcast used to work in. Um, in uh in therapy he was a you know a therapist especially like working with kids and he was like isn't it interesting how in jeepers creepers you have a monster that is an old man that is preying on a young boy and it's like and knowing victor salva's past with you know it's like is this was this something he was subconsciously doing and we're like oh that's interesting hadn't thought of that yeah but anyways going back to like the the movies like uh like the second one was okay, and then I saw the third one that went directly to Netflix. I'm like, my God, that was it was just it's every successive one I feel like they're just beating a dead horse. So if they want to remake it, like if there's I think they could do a good job. Yeah. It's a, a lot of a lot of grist in that mill that they can grind, you know, a lot of interesting ideas. It's true. I didn't even I actually enjoyed the second one. Yeah. In terms of just popcorn entertainment, I, I got a kick out of it. I was laughing. I mean, I liked Ray Wise because, like, Ray Wise is always oh, yeah. great and over the top. But I didn't even bother watching the third one. It just looked really bad. I, I watched it in fast it. forward mostly. <laughs> well, speaking about Scream, mm-hmm. uh, since you mentioned Scream, got some pretty cool artwork for Scream, too, man. Thank you. Enjoyed this one for sure. Yeah, but I actually. The first one I did for. Yeah, uh, that was That one was for a. Uh, a scream show that was done. God, when was that? I'm trying to see the date on that. Was that say 2016? <clears throat> but uh, yeah, they just did a, a scream show, um, and you know, this was the idea I came up with, and kind of more of like a postery idea, a little bit, yeah. Um, you know, kind of symbolic rather than you know, right, right, right. Any particular scene from the movie, but yeah, yeah, yeah it does the job. It's dope. But I actually like this one. A lot more. See, that one is uh, when I was doing this new one for the 25th anniversary. Like, I'd started with the painting, and the idea was turning it into a pulp cover, which I, I did. Um, and then as I was painting, I'm like, I feel like this looks like a gallo. Yeah. This looks like a gallo painting. I was like, yeah. you know, have all these books on horror movies and horror movie posters, and I'm looking at them like it's like it's feeling really Italian horror of the 60s. Yeah. So I'm like, why not? So my first edition of Prince sold out in the gallery and they um, said, hey, do you want to do a variant? I said, I think I have an idea. (laughs) So I did a terrible job translating the tagline into Italian using like (laughs) online translations. Um, I tried to like triple check it and like get it as close as I could. But somebody from Italy informed me like, yeah, it still is wrong. I'm like, I'm sorry. But uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun to do. And this was when I did the first one with the, the hand reaching for the phone. This was an alternate concept that I had drawn way back then. And I was like, I don't know if I can yeah. make that work. And then, you know, when I came back to it, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go ahead with it. And this one was another one where um, 
once I had had all the elements drawn out and it took a little bit more time, the painting was so fast and so fun on this one. Um, I think my favorite thing was just painting all those like wacky tatters of the robes just flying yeah. out. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, man, for sure. You got uh, Jake Hall here saying he loves the design. There you Thanks, go. Thanks, Jake. There you go. Yeah, that one's pretty dope. Let's keep it rocking and rolling here. <laughs> There's so much to look at. All right, so you mentioned earlier you're talking about Flash Gordon. So I want yes. you to be honest with Flash Gordon. Yes. Flash, be honest. Did you always love this movie? Always. 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 Oh, I saw it when I was a kid. I, this, is one of the, this is one of the okay. movies I saw I have, when I was I a hope. kid. All right, go ahead. Um, and it used to play on. We used to. I used to live in Southern Connecticut, and we'd get a WPIX Channel Eleven, which would play the same movies year after year. It's like they had one uh, shelf full of movies they could play, and damn it, yeah. they were going to play them. Uh, and Flash Gordon every year, and uh, I loved it because when I was a kid, you know, it has that same sensibility as like the old Batman TV show. It's campy, right? But when you're a kid, you don't see that. I'm just like, oh yeah, Flash Gordon's really cool. He's flying and. There's Hawkman, yeah. and then there's like a magic ring, and oh, there's a thing in the log. Yeah. Oh man! And then, then you know, I watched it again, like, and I taped it off the television and watched that until like the tape wore out. And then I bought a actual VHS copy, and I was shocked to see like the stuff that was edited out. And this was when I was in college. And I'm like, oh, this is really cheesy. Like this <laughs> is really like they had the scenes that they edited out for broadcast where like. Yeah. Uh, He's speaking telepathically with Dale while he's making out with uh, Princess Aura. And he's like, man, this yeah. chick's really turning me on. It's just like, I didn't get that copy. <laughs> and uh, like all these like really cornball things. Yeah. And I'm yeah. watching and I'm like, I still love it. I still think it's so great. Right, and right. the production design, I miss that over-the-top production design in today's science fiction movies. Yeah. I'm so bummed that, like, I, this is one of the reasons that I haven't seen many new movies either, is every time I see ads or trailers, I'm like, I can't tell you. Hello, if I didn't same. see the title, I couldn't tell you what movie it was. It's like, right. it's like a grayed out, grayed out palette and then a flash yeah. of teal, a flash of orange, and, like, but, yeah. like, the fact that they went so, like, over-the-top, this is definitely, like, a... You could tell it was an Italian production. Like, a, <laughs> yeah. like if you look at Italian comics of like the sixties and seventies, it's like all so colorful and ornate, and everything's like all the women are all you know wearing barely anything, and right. It's just they they translate that so well, and I miss that kind of um, just uh, rococo, almost like oh, rococo ornamentation in science fiction. Man, when well, when we watch this in four K. Oh my god, we were watching it like this, <laughs> like it was like because it was so, so the colors. Were it's just, so like, much color. Every insane. every one of those like oil it slides they use for like the space scenes. It's just yeah bananas. And then like I can't talk enough about the Queen soundtrack. It's so oh, good. Yeah. I haven't. I haven't. Oh yeah. But for okay. me, for me, unfortunately, well, it's one of those cases where it's better late than never. Mm -hmm. uh, for me. If I would have, if I if I would have, you know, pulled the Steven here and seen it as a as a as a child, I probably would have loved it. But I was an idiot when I was a teenager. You know, when you're a teenager, you're like, man, it's whack. You know, yeah. you're like, oh yeah, I know everything. Shut up. You know, you're you're, you're a dumbass when you're a teenager, right? Oh, of course. And then, um, and then when I got, I, I tried to watch it when I was a teenager, and I was like, this is the dumbest thing. 
Mm-hmm. I said, I might as well have said this. This is the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. I must have said that, right? Uh, and then when I got older, many, 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 many years older, me and my wife were bored one night and we turned on, I think it was on either on Amazon Prime, I think. And they had um, those old black and white Buster Crab cereals. Mm. And we were having a blast watching those. And then we went and rewatched Flash Gordon, and we loved it. We mm-hmm. got it instantly yeah. that that was the vibe they were going for. Yeah, you know. And, and going... I was like, and I love Max von Sydow. He's one of my favorite actors. Oh, he's so great in this. Dude. He has license to just be so scenery chewing. And yeah. uh, you have you have such good actors that help because Sam Jones. I mean, he looks the part, but he's you know obviously not the greatest actor. And then you know, finally, <laughs> was that his first movie? Or um, I don't remember if it okay. was, but it was his, it was supposed to be his big break. And um, right. there's actually a really interesting documentary. I think it's still might be on Amazon about Sam Jones, but it's also yeah. a lot about the production of Flash Gordon. I need to watch that. For but sure. he um. He burned a lot of bridges during the, the making of this because oh, I, I guess I the story that. was like his first of all, he went out early in filming out in London on the town and like some guys were like messing with him and then he got into a fight and then had to have stitches on his face and um, the director and uh, Dino De Laurentiis were like absolutely like livid with him because like you got to make sure you don't see any scars because he's filming this big movie. So that was like strike one. And then the strike two was that his agent was telling him or his manager was telling him that that he hadn't gotten paid. And then instead of just, and he says so much in the documentary, I think he says like, what I should have done and said, you work that out. I'm going to concentrate on the job. But instead he got involved and it caused Mm. all sorts of bad blood. They didn't ask him back for voiceover. So all the ADR in that Yikes. movie, which is probably about, I'd say, a good eighty percent of his performances had to be looped because of the sound stages and everything oh, else. Oh, yikes! They didn't so, ask him back. Yeah, the, all, most of the vocals are by somebody else. Um, right, but Did you he, have so, so many. Well, go ahead. You have so many great actors in there, like supporting yeah. him though, and yeah. uh, just like Tim Timothy Dalton is great in there. Oh, Dalton is great, taking yeah. it super seriously, and then you have Brian yeah. Blessed who. Yeah. I fucking love Byron Blessed in this movie because he's so boisterous and over the yes. top. He really just like adds energy to everything. Dive. Yeah. And so uh, funny, man. that whole scene when, you know, they were trying to do, you know, what Star Wars had done. You know, they were trying to do get that epic serial movie, serial fantasy science fiction. And they failed. Like they, they right. didn't make it. But that scene when the Hawkmen attack the ship and the Queen soundtrack is blaring. And it's just, it's like, a, uh, I think Alex Ross, who is a huge fan of. of oh, yeah, movie, he is. I think he described it as being a rock opera. And it's like, yeah. it basically is like there's no songs in it, really. But it's right. a rock opera because the it music is. is such a part yeah. of it. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, but yeah, yeah un- we, unabashed fan of Flash. We loved it, man. Loved it so much that we watched. We went out and bought it on Blu-ray. And then we bought it again on 4K. Like, it's just <laughs> so, it's just so good. Now, here's the thing, though. There are fans out there that want a serious version of Flash Gordon. Can a serious version of Flash Gordon work? I think a serious version of Flash Gordon could work, but you would have to totally not reference 
this movie at all. You'd have to start from the beginning and say, like, this is, we're going to go back to the comic strip, the Alex Raymond comic strip. We're going to take the premise and we're going to just treat it as serious sci-fi. Um, right. I don't know if it so would work as well. Yeah, so I don't that, know so, if it would so work re- as well. Though. Yeah, that's true. Because, yeah. I mean, if, it's, it's such a product of the times, too, the original comic strip. I mean, you have, again, you know, this big, you know, let's face it like this big like Aryan ideal uh human lands on another planet and immediately is like i'm the best at everything like i can beat you at your own game you know it's it's kind of like the avatar thing only not quite as blue and stupid um and (laughs) oh oh we're best friends now after you just said that (laughs) (laughs) um if we take a little sidetrack the scene in avatar when my wife and i laughed out loud is the Uh big fight at the end when the the guy in the robot suit pulls out a robot knife it's like what is this west side story like come on (laughs) anyways um it looks cool steve but like so cool like i can imagine james cameron oh like like one of the yeah. designers is like well you could have like a blade that pops out of the arm or something there you go. no i'll just pull a knife it's so much cooler <laughs> um but yeah flash gordon i mean it's like this big this big dumb white dude comes <laughs> and is like master of everything immediately it's like the total american dream you know uh-huh, the american uh-huh. wet dream there like all the women are falling over themselves to to you know get with them. Um, they're all wearing metal bikinis because that's the fashion of the times. I don't know that you could do a reboot of Flash Gordon and not have it just turn into a completely different movie. Right, and that's right. that's one of the reasons why taking it campy is like in the eighties. I feel was the smart move for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what if they do redo it but keep the camp? That'd be interesting. Kind of like Guardians Dude, of the Galaxy kind of has a yeah. of that a little. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess Guardians of the Galaxy did tap into, I mean, not so much camp, but like, a, you know, not taking itself so seriously. Right, right, right. Um, but there will be only one Flash Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when in the, uh, in the 90s, Sci-Fi Channel tried to do a Flash Gordon TV show. And I think the biggest mistake they made was when they were programming it, they kept using the queen theme for all the promos. And it's like, don't remind people, don't remind people about how great that movie is because you're never going to match up to it with your, you know, micro budget filmed in Canada, flash Gordon. Yeah. I remember that. I remember the advertisements and then it just disappeared. Yep. I was like, whatever happened to that flash Gordon show? (laughs) And it's just like, Oh, I did it. Did I miss it? I'm like, no, I never came. No, it it came out and then left just as quickly. Oh, so it actually did come out. Yeah. You could probably get it on DVD for two bits. If you wanted. how many episodes before it got canceled, you know, I would, I would, I don't think it made it past one season. So I'm guessing like probably no more than 12. Did you Um, watch it? I, I didn't watch it, but morbid curiosity, I tuned in because I'm like, okay, Flash Gordon, how bad it could be. Ming the Merciless is just like a guy in a uniform. I'm like, okay, well, forget you ruined it. it. No stars. You ruined it. <laughs> well, speaking of Flash, let's take a look at your piece here, man. I absolutely love this. Chat, everybody watching right now, this is actually my cell phone cover right now. <laughs> my <laughs> cell phone strange, you know, phone cover right now is this. Yeah, if that was one of the um, that was one That's of the great. first pieces I did for myself. Just um, I had I used to work in watercolors when I was trying to get children's book work, yeah. And then once I had started working uh, Trader Joe's doing signs, I was doing mostly acrylic paints. Um, 
And so I kind of really started enjoying acrylic and painting opaquely and doing all these things. And um, one time, one day I was just like, you know what, I'm going to just try a Flash Gordon piece. And I, I had in my head to do it like a recruiting poster kind of thing, like Flash Gordon wants you to join the Mongo resistance. <laughs> so, you know, I had, uh, luckily I had the Flash Gordon uh, action figure that I think like Biff Bang Pow put out. So I yeah. have good reference for like the little weird football gem and everything. And um, it was just trying to capture that. Uh, this was one of the early pieces I did where I was trying to capture that look of old time, you know, 1940s paintings. Right. Um, not 100% successful, but it was a start and it was getting there. So yeah, it looks like you nailed it. For, for to me, it looks again. Like, I mean, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't I, be on my phone again. I only see, I only see the flaws. It's, it's I know it's one of the worst things. I just, things said, that, I just said that. <laughs> I just said that recently. Uh, I've had you know martial artists and stuntmen on here, and and they we watch their fights, and they say the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're always overcritical, like oh, I could have did this better and stuff like that. Well, great artists say that. So there well, you, you know, it's, Take it's it something. As a yeah, I always get. <laughs> I'm a little envious of people who never see their flaws and like just put stuff out and like, yeah, right. this is awesome. And I'm right, like, really? Right. This, you're going to put this out and you're going to be like, this is what you do. But it's like, yeah. I'm envious of that confidence at the same time. Like, uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad I'm critical because it, you know, it yeah. always means Con- there's something to shoot to improve. Constructive criticism and, and you want to improve and get better anyway, which just makes you better. So there's nothing wrong with it, man. Jake Hall says, cool artwork of Flash Gordon. Thank you, Jake. Cool loving it there so speaking of pulp characters mm-hmm. let tell me what you know about doc savage the man of bronze help me here <laughs> please because i've I'm, seen i've seen doc savage comics i've never read them i know he's been out like forever mm-hmm. and i there was actually a movie right that yep, came there was out a movie 70s? that came out in the late 70s or early 80s um was, did it suck or it got its budget slashed um that was one of the things james bama who is the illustrator who did the artwork that's most so closely associated with doc savage now he did a bunch of paperback covers in the 60s wherein um usually monochromatic uh doc fighting some kind of menace made him really big like larger than life had a very pointy widow's peak haircut right um but james bama had done uh all these covers and he was um i think he was part of the production design of this movie that was supposed to shoot and in uh, a book of his artwork he talks about how like before the movie was set to shoot like the studio decided they didn't want to spend the money that they had allotted and slash the budget and what that should have been they were trying to get that raiders of the lost ark kind of big action old-time vibe and instead it just i it got made and i think it just promptly sank because they probably didn't even promote it um i know not too much about the character except that he's supposed to be again kind of like this ultimate not a superhuman but like the superman like super intelligent uh scientist uh athletically fit like kind of like a batman kind of thing yeah yeah but kind of an adventurer uh, type. yeah and he had a group of people who helped him out like he had like a four or five guys who all of, you know, provided assistance. And, um, in the, he started in the, in the pulps in the, in the forties, uh, Walter, I want to say it was Walter Baumhofer, Baumhofer. I think I'm pronouncing that maybe correctly. Um, did many of the color covers for, uh, Doc Savage. And, uh, a lot of them have become kind of, 
iconic, you know, him being grabbed by a giant green hand, holding him up right. and like all stuff like that. Um, but it was really James Bama's artwork that um, gotcha. cemented the image of Doc Savage in most people's heads. Okay. Okay. The last thing I heard that was Doc Savage was uh, they were going to do a movie. They were going to bring the character back and he was going to be played by The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. That was the last thing I heard. I mean, he I definitely has the physique. Right. <laughs> right. Right. But that just the, the this the rock playing that kind of character, Indiana Jones type of character. It would I mean he can't do it now because he was just in Jungle Cruise. But mm-hmm. um unless Doc <laughs> Savage turned into Jungle Cruise, you never know. Maybe the original idea was like, ah, oh, fuck, fuck Doc Savage, we'll just do Jungle Cruise. <laughs> Like, I don't know. Well, maybe. Well, it's like the original script was like Doc Savage yeah. in the jungle. And like, yep. you know, Disney <laughs> is doing all movies based on their rides. Mm-hmm. What if we took out the Doc Savage and played up the jungle? Yeah, yeah. It's not Could outside be. the realm of possibility. Yeah. I was just thinking that it would probably have to be campy and fun if The Rock's playing that kind of role. I don't think they're going to have a serious Doc Savage movie. I don't know. I mean, it'd be tough because, like, the thing that makes Raiders of the Lost Ark and the Indiana Jones movies work is that Harrison Ford, even though he's in great shape, is not the, he's not the rock, you know, he's not Dwayne Johnson, he's not Lou Ferrigno, he's not a bodybuilder. Right. And if you wanted to do Doc Savage as he was drawn, it was like, this guy's invincible, you're like, bullets would bounce off his pecs, you know, like, he wouldn't. What kind the of man trouble of could this, What kind of trouble could this guy get into? <laughs> I know, right? Did you know if he had the character had a weakness? I do not know. Um, probably not because you know he's a perfect man. So what weakness <laughs> would he have? <laughs> <laughs> there is no weakness. No weakness. All right. So I can tell, and I'm sure you can agree with me that we both love us some Ghostbusters. Oh yes. It's one of the greatest movies of all time. I, I, I would argue definitely, like if not the greatest, one of one of the most perfectly written, acted, conceived yeah. movies ever. Five stars. Five stars for sure. Um are you gonna check out Afterlife? You're gonna give Afterlife a shot. You know, I am. Um yeah, me I, too. <laughs> this is again, this is me sounding like an old crank because I'm like, ah, movies were better when they did everything with practical effects. You only, you like, only be honest right now, you look young. Well, thank you. I Compared to that. me, um, well, it's because my my lighting is such that it's hiding all the gray hairs. I'm Father Time over here, bro. Like it's just, it's just salt and pepper is not where it's you know. Yeah, but, but yeah. Um, go ahead. But, I would, I would, I, off the bat, I thought you were a lot younger than me. So but oh, we'll, well, we're not going to name ages, ages here live. <laughs> we have some dignity, but but yeah, go ahead. Um, I saw the trailer, or the uh, not the trailer. I haven't seen the the full trailer. I've seen like the teasers, and I saw the scene with the little Stay Puffed Marshmallow men walking around, and I, I was on board with like, okay, Ghostbusters, okay, Paul Rudd, uh, you know, he's charming as hell, yeah. And then like I see these little CGI marshmallow men, and then I immediately want to watch Ghostbusters and look at the scene where the eggs are frying <laughs> on the counter, and I'm like, this is better. Can't yeah. you see that it's better when you do things there than when you yeah. say, well, just throw pixels at it. Right. So there's my old man rant against <laughs> copious CGI abuse. But I am going to see it. I'm, I'm going to see it. I, and the, you know, and the, the little, it the little uh, what'd you call uh, <laughs> the... Uh, no, the, the, now I'm thinking of now I'm thinking of the Doughboy or something. I think, of something <laughs> I think the else Pillsbury, right? yeah, the, the uh, Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, yeah, the, stay, the little Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, yeah. the love child, each other, 
Yeah, the love child of uh, yeah. this of uh, Pillsbury Doughboy and the Michelin Tire Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, there you go, there you go. But they were roasting each other in that in that scene. I watched the trailer it was like hilarious. Yeah. Like, what is going on? But yeah, uh, again, five out of five stars. Love the movie, but man, you know, I had to show some of this artwork. Here, man. <laughs> this mean, was this another. Uh, this was another crazy for Colt um, where I decided to do a mashup, and I was like, okay, what are some of the scariest books? in you know horror movies and i'm like okay yeah. so i got the handbook for the recently deceased right off the bat like gotta have that uh babadook which is i think the scariest movie to come out in like the last decade and and maybe even longer than that like i love that movie um in the mouth of madness i had to put that in it's one of my favorite yes. john carpenter movies sutter kane uh you know yes. necronomicon peeking off the shelf from the evil dead movies uh <laughs> my wife insisted i do bed not or not bed not some room six i do um hocus pocus and have uh, the, the magic book there so i'm like okay yeah, yep yeah. um and then i have it's hard to tell um but the the book the library ghost is reading in the back is the uh the book mm-hmm. from the movie um why am i drawing a blank now uh it's the roman plansky movie with johnny depp where he's a, the rare books dealer um my mind is, my mind is well. <laughs> it's gonna gonna drive the ninth gate that one oh okay. um, with okay. yeah the, the the gateway to hell in there so i came up with the idea of having like all these spooky books in one place and i was like oh, i'll have a librarian do a sexy pinup librarian because yeah. you know that puts butts in seats yeah and then i was like i need something else like what else do i need and i'm like oh the library ghost <laughs> yeah like the library ghost from ghostbusters and yeah. with that the whole thing finally tied together because it's like I didn't, I didn't know what it was going to be the key and that actually turned out to be the key to tying those all together but that's uh, one of that's one of my favorites that's one of the few paintings i've done when i didn't finish it and think like oh i made so many mistakes you're satisfied like, with this I, one. Yeah. it's one of the few i've done where i look back and i'm like i think that turned out pretty much the way i want it so yeah it's a great piece yeah we got a super chat here from bo thanks for supporting the channel bo he goes movies were better when they had bill murray <laughs> 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 hey groundhog day man groundhog, groundhog day. day is fantastic Love stripes you mean, know i've never on. seen stripes there's oh, a handful right of alley. there's a handful of cult movies that i've never seen i feel like i need to check those off like buckaroo bonsai i have a co-worker who loves that movie i'm like i've never seen it still i gotta gotta watch that the, no. i've never seen blade runner i've never seen it. Oh, i'm surprised i know wow. i am wow. surprised wow. too i should wow. see it but buckaroo bonsai it. now that's a favorite in this household now, did your friend hype it up like it was the greatest movie ever, or did he give you a warning? Because I'll um, give you a he warning. Just, he just said he loves it, um, okay. and that's basically that's basically it. So you know, okay. I mean, he loves it because it's so weird and okay. off the wall, okay. which I can really appreciate. I like I like when a movie is not what you expect. So okay, good. Okay, he gave you he gave you that warning. Good because if he just hyped it up like it was the greatest thing ever, and then and then you watched it and was like. Oh no! What is this? Because <laughs> a lot of because a lot of people I I recommended the movie to they were like it's mm-hmm. okay, like, eh. but yeah. we really liked it because it was bazonk. It was you know bazonkers if that's a word. Mm-hmm. It was just so over the top and out there. But it feels like three movies in one movie, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. But what's what's so weird about Buckaroo Banzai is that there's nothing else like it. When you watch it, there's nothing else like it. It's like its own thing. But what's what's really interesting about the movie and weird, but it works, 
is that it feels when you watch it, you're gonna feel like you missed the first five movies. <laughs> <laughs> like you're gonna feel Just like you throws you in these, there. Like you like shouldn't. You should, yeah, you should know these characters. You feel like you've seen previous adventures. Well, but that's it's one kind of, the, of things, the fun of the movie. Well, that's one of the things. And getting getting back to Ghostbusters, that's one of the things I love about the original Ghostbusters, and one of the reasons that when they did the remake, uh, not the remake, kind of like the reboot with Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig, I was like, I don't need to see their backstory. Like right. it's, thinking about the original movie, you, you go in right in the middle. You were given mm-hmm. just enough about these characters. You know what they are. You know who they are. You don't need to find out how they met and how they started working together. It's like, it's not important to the arc right. of the story. And right. uh, I, I really appreciate the compacted storytelling of that. And right, so, like, right. if, if there's any movies like that where they're just like, we don't need to show everything. We're just okay, going to go you're, on assumption. You're come along for then. the ride. <laughs> then you're perfect for Buckaroo. Uh, Blade Runner, I really enjoy. It's not for everyone. Are you? Do you like slow burn sci-fi with absolutely no action whatsoever? <laughs> Are you okay with that? Depending on how well it's executed. I like a good okay. slow burn. Okay, um, I like you should be slow fine. burn in sci-fi, like 2001. I mean, there are parts where I'm just like, okay, okay you should be fine. That. You should be fine. But after that, if you're curious, go ahead and watch uh, 2049. Yeah, it's I heard lots of sequel. good things about that so, too. So, uh, Ethan says here, "What's up, Ethan? What about Bob? Is my favorite." And we were discussing the other day a whole bunch of movies that are not on Blu-ray, and it's baffling. It makes no sense. And what about Bob? Is not on Blu-ray. Hmm. There's so many movies out there that are good movies and they're not on Blu-ray. It doesn't make any sense. True Lies, not on Blu-ray. The what? Abyss, not on Blu-ray. Makes no sense. It's so it's kind weird. Of bananas. It's it's bizarre. But yeah, let's get back to some ghost busting here. Love this one. This one definitely caught my eye here, for sure. Zool. <laughs> We're going to start quoting this whole movie, man. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> one of the most quotable movies. Uh, and I, this I one like was the a piece. second one. I like the second one. Yeah, the second one. one I mean, the best part of the second one, and the part I quote most often, uh, is Peter McNichol's character, because um, I feel like he saves it. There's a scene in the beginning where he's, you know, the museum uh, head of the restoration, and he's walking through the people working, and just out of nowhere, says, everything you are doing is bad. I want you to know this. <laughs> and I say that all the time. And uh, it's just, it's one of the funniest fucking things in that whole movie. He's Vigo. Yeah. You're like flies before him. <laughs> um, but when I did this piece, like, I couldn't believe it had taken so long for me to do a Ghostbusters piece. Like, I'm That's like, pretty yeah, good impression, by the way, so, man. <laughs> well, thank you. You know, you watch a movie like 12 or 13 times. That was a movie I got to see Ghostbusters 2 in the theaters for my birthday in 1989 because I was supposed to go see Batman. But, of course, right. it was sold out because right. Batman was it's just Batman. impossible uh, to see. What so it's like, oh, Ghostbusters 2, silver medal. Yeah. Oh, nice. Hey, that's a that's not a bad uh, pickup <laughs> movie there. I like this one, too. The girl with the green toe. We got some uh, uh, Big Lebowski up in here, man. Yeah, this, this was, was, great. I this, was um, this was one in I'd had the idea and I I was hesitant on doing a Lebowski piece. This is, again, crazy for cult show. I was hesitant on doing a Lebowski piece just because there's been so much fan art for Big Lebowski. I'm like, what's right. left to do? And I was like, well, if I think of it as like a pulp detective magazine, 
um, what would the case be? And like the case is the girl with the green toe. And then yep. um, you can, can't really see it. It's, it's a little hard to see, but up in the, in the corner, upper right corner is the publication house, which I, I call Brother Seamus Publications <laughs> after the, you know, yeah. uh, like an Irish monk. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, nice. And then my personal favorite detail about this is the, the title of the other stories in the magazine, A Stranger in the Alps by Walter Sobchak from the infamous dubbed for TV version uh, where they like, well, we can't have him say these curse words. What can he say when he's smashing the car? This is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. Like (laughs) who came up with that? And may I shake their hand because that's just so bananas. And so, yeah, it's funny because uh, on the arrow release of RoboCop, they actually have on Blu-ray, they actually have on there. The TV edit cut version as well. What is it about twelve minutes? Hilarious. No, no, no. It's the the whole movie. How it was shown on TV with all the edits kept in. <laughs> so instead of like, you know, he's shooting that Robocop in the you know in the in the liquor store, he's all like, "Fuck me!" He says, "Why me?" <laughs> like, they actually went out of their way because it was so funny and put the whole movie on there too as a special feature. That's it's awesome. hilarious. <laughs> it's so funny, but yeah, that reminded me of that. Uh, but yeah, let's keep going here. This one's great. Back to the Future. Yep, this really was, enjoyed that one. This was for a, uh, a Back to the Future anniversary show that was held last year. I don't know, time has no meaning anymore. Um, <laughs> but this is another one that, you know, w- within the movie, there's that great uh, plot line of, of George McFly writing stories, science fiction stories. And I was like, okay, so I'll take the story he wrote and let's say he sold it to the pulp market. And there we go. And for this one, I was I was really inspired by the artist Virgil Finlay, who did uh, incredible black and white illustrations. He also did a lot of covers for the pulp magazines, but his mm. black and white technique was fantastic. He did um, lots of stippling and and uh, and scratchboard effects, and his technique would always incorporate like star fields or like bubbles or lots of little details. So for uh, the two in the front there, I'm trying to. Uh, kind of give it this is my attempt to emulate Virgil Finlay and give it a really yeah. vintage sparkly look yeah it's awesome man and uh shout out to your impressions bro seriously <laughs> you're you're on point man you're on oh, point thanks. like I said you watch a movie enough times and it just sort of sticks in there yeah for <laughs> sure <laughs> every time samurai guy tries to do an impression I just end up merging into Arnold I don't know what it is. I don't know what it well, is. And it's I mean, not even a great Arnold. You well, know, your voice even... is so good and smooth. It's like your voice is like, I'm not going to do any other voice but my own. Because it's such I'll a smooth voice. I do my own voice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, but yeah, man, this is where I'm having a blast here. Oh, we did that one. Oh, here we go. Now, my buddy, this, after Manos, this was the second one he sent to me. Mm-hmm. And I was, but we were busting up, man, with the whole rock poster <laughs> vibe going here man was this like led zeppelin uh or or no this was actually um, inspired or what no it's the inspiration actually came from the original star wars poster by uh tom jung or young i don't know if you pronounced it young or right but um luke's holding this luke's holding the lightsaber you know the um the hildebrand brothers famously did their version very similar pose but they didn't use likenesses of the actors because 20th century fox told them nobody's gonna see this movie Nobody knows who these people are. They're all unknowns. You don't have to make them look like them. And then the movie is a hit and like, oh, crap, we got to have like a movie where it looks like the people. Isn't that crazy, dude? Um, just, <laughs> you know, it's stories like that that, you know, it, it really makes me 
wonder about the whole studio system and like how many great movies never got yeah. seen because people in suits didn't get it. Right. Um, but for this one, I took the composition from that. Okay. Swapped out Vader for Jabba. Uh, swapped out Luke and Leia and uh, C-3PO for the Max Rebo band. And right. then um, the color palette just came from, um, you know, the, the scenes on Tatooine and looking at some reference of like desert skies and stuff. Right. Um, and it was just like, for some reason, I don't know why this is. Okay. When I was a kid, I didn't have a lot of Star Wars toys. Um, my parents were firmly on the on the grounds of if you have one version of the character, that's all you need. So I had <laughs> Empire, Han, Empire, Luke, um, Star Wars, you know, the original movie, uh, Leia, and that was Darth Vader, and you know, that's all I needed. Uh, and I wanted the Max Rebo band so bad. I don't know what it was, <laughs> but like when I was a kid, the two the, the toys that i wanted based on return of the jedi where i wanted luke in his black outfit because obviously badass and i wanted the max rebo band there was something about him i was like god they're so cool and weird (laughs) i never got them um so this is my way of of uh expressing my love of the max rebo band (laughs) because everybody when they do star wars art it's usually cantina band and they do the aliens from the first movie and give them a shout out and it's like Max Reba doesn't get enough love. So, <laughs> but yeah, I love the whole rock poster vibe. Yeah, this so. is um, Gallery Nineteen Eight just had their fake gigs posters uh, show where it's all fake concerts from movies and television. Um, and I've actually I've got a that edition sold out, so I've got a variant edition that I just finished up that I'm going to be sending to the gallery shortly. So oh, that'll nice. be there. Um, nice. But yeah, that's that's a lot of fun. This is their second fake gig show and uh it's there's when you when you really look into it there's so many concerts from fictional bands and uh you know it's just there's a wealth to plumb there and i've seen some stuff on the show that uh i didn't i had forgotten existed i'm like oh shit that yeah that was the thing when they had this like this band play the show or whatever and it was it's a lot of really cool stuff yeah love it but now you're continuing to make me laugh here all right like you're (laughs) inconceivable this one is i've i've said before that this is like if you want to say like desert island movie like what movie would i pick it would be princess bride my wife oh, yeah my wife says no you do clue that would be your movie because like you want to watch clue more than any other movie i'm like mm, maybe but like princess bride is one of my favorites and uh i decided this is uh the cult movie show and i i wanted the pay tribute to princess bride and i was yeah. trying to think of like what to do and like what would be fun and i had drawings of like you know dread pirate roberts and the sword fight with inigo uh-huh. and like you know i was like well that's, that's okay but you know it's right. kind of basic and then i was looking at um old pulp magazines for reference i have a bunch of reference books with uh, images of covers and i noticed that like right. skulls so often like big skulls in the cover i'm like okay i can see that with the battle of wits and then it's like and then after that like my favorite thing was like taking all the little details from the movie's dialogue and putting it on the text and like you know the incredible stories of it's it's what you know peter falk says to the grandson you got fencing fighting torture revenge giants monsters true love you know all those things um and i was like oh that's great gotta put that in and then you know obviously you know having vizzini Wallace Shawn looking cocky as the the specter of death is looming behind him. <laughs> it's just it's my and then of course having the, the author of the story be S. Morgan Stern as it is in the you know the author of the original yeah. book supposedly. 
um, yeah, this is this is another one where I'm like, I I think I nailed it. You know, I don't I don't oh, see yeah. I don't see anything here that I would necessarily change. It's all about the laugh. Oh the, his laugh that whole and he scene dies and just kills over. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to trick me into revealing something. It won't work. It already has worked. You've revealed everything. Again with the impressions, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> I think I think my favorite was the guy. Was it the uh what was it the the the, the guy torturing? Bino? Or yeah, what was Christian? his line? No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even think about trying to escape. Yeah. And then oh, Chris, the yeah, Chris Guest is great. Like yeah. Chris Sarandon, like I I have such an appreciation of Chris Sarandon between this movie and Fright Night. Like yes. just Humperdinck. He was just on fire in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. But the pit of despair. <laughs> oh, it's great. Great. Yeah, Who doesn't love Terminator? Who doesn't horrible. love Terminator? Come on. Oh now. yeah. I mean, now we're talking. Now we're talking. I mean, I even love Lady Terminator. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, I love this uh, retro-inspired piece here for t- for the terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Now, down there, is that supposed to... Are they just regular people running away? I took reference for this because, that... again, I'm, I'm trying to set it back into, you know, the, the 50s. Okay. Um, so I took reference for the image of them. It's supposed to represent, like, what if the Terminator was set in the 50s? And that's Sarah Connor and um, right. Kyle Reese. Um, I figured that's who was running away. But for reference, I took um, Kevin McCarthy and I uh, can't remember the woman who played the female lead in uh, the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um, they had some great stills of them running from the crowds of pod people. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. Like they got the wardrobe and everything. So I took the reference from there. And then um, this was another one where I went through a lot of different um, design possibilities for the composition. I started off thinking of the end of the movie where this uh the metal endoskeleton is coming through the fire at them yeah and she's trying yeah. to get him out of the way and i had some drawings of that and it just wasn't working it felt very similar mm. to like a lot of things and i was like okay i'm gonna go again go less literal go more symbolic and just do the giant head thing which again is like it's it's I find it's funny because like as I look at a lot of my work, I'm like, shit, I, I did the giant head thing a lot. But it's like <laughs> it's a very pulpy thing that I feel yeah. works. And, and so I decided to do just like the head of the Terminator uh, with this blasted landscape. And then and um, my favorite thing was just uh, painting all like this one. If you see the painting in person, it's super textury. Because uh, as I was doing just the the colors of the sky and the ground and everything, I was just like having fun building up textures, building up colors and doing that and working really loose, which is something that I try to do. But my, you know, anal retentive brain is like, you got to tighten up, you got to tighten up. So, yeah. yeah. But um, this one I was really happy with. Um, Yeah, I love it. Future Terror Tales. Mm -hmm. Love that one. Gotta love Ash. (laughs) We're all fans of Ash. We love it. I mean, come on, let's 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 go here, man. Love it. Uh, enjoyed this piece as well, and I picked on the wrong piece. All right, <laughs> here you go. It's like here's Ash, but here's something else. Um, Movie yeah, adventure yeah, story. Army of Darkness. Yeah, um, man. This is my little brother who's out in LA. This is his one of his favorite movies, and for gags, every year we would exchange Army of Darkness themed Christmas presents. And uh, <laughs> one year, I had the uh, Bruce Campbell's "If Chins Could." 
kill memoir and uh i got it signed from him at a a signing and and gave it to him so like i won that year um (laughs) but it's uh i gotta say out of the evil dead trilogy my favorite movie is the first one just because i love i love the low budget um right i love the fact that they were like clearly just kids wanting to make a movie and like doing all these crazy things to try to get the effects you know but Mm -hmm. army of darkness i do i appreciate um the fact that they were going for that Harryhausen vibe. And uh, I knew that if I was going to do something inspired by that, it would have to be the Kalatu Barata. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Love it. Love it. I just had a Patricia Tallman actress and stunt woman. She was on the show a couple weeks back. She played the, the, the witch. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. She was great. It was great having her on the show. She had some funny stories for sure about being in the movie. Sure. All right. Uh, Legion here. This looks really retro. <laughs> this looks like you just took it out of the right off the shelf of a library, man. Yeah, this or one. Legion um, here. It's pretty cool, though. Yeah, this is another one where I was um, coming, trying to come up with different designs. I really enjoyed the Legion television show. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked the vibe of it. I liked how it um it was very like sixties in terms of its, uh, the visual aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that it was so nonlinear in some ways. And so when I was doing, this is another, uh, idiot box television tribute show. And, um, I wanted to do something that would kind of feel like the sixties stuff. Um, but not necessarily exactly like the show. Uh, and one of my, one of my current favorite artists is Richard Powers, who did lots of paperback covers in the mostly in the 60s and 70s. He was um, kind of instrumental in the new wave of science fiction paperback art. He did a lot of work for Ballantine Books when they were kind of um, trying to break away from what the standard like sword and sorcery for Zeta stuff was or what, you know, the standard science fiction artwork at that time was like Spaceship planet you know maybe a spaceman you know maybe a monster but very literal and richard powers brought surrealism into there and so looking at his stuff and like that sensibility reminded me a lot of the show so this is me trying to do my best richard powers impression and failing miserably but uh it still (laughs) led to some interesting things and uh for sure this was kind of it was it was really freeing and fun on one hand but it was also a little terrifying because i started off with a, a drawing, I had gotten reference for all the different faces and I kind of smushed them together in this amalgamation. And then I just like started painting and going really rough with it and just like seeing where it led. And it was like, ah, it's a little scary because I usually like to figure it out beforehand. But right. right, um, right. But once I had gotten going on it, it was uh, it, it really came together in a way that, you know, it's not it's not as good as anything Richard Powers ever did. You have to look up his stuff, but it's, a, it's incredible. But um, it, it, I feel like it captures that vibe. And then again, like a lot of the things is when I do the prints is uh, a lot of the impact comes from picking the right fonts and doing the right blurbs and everything. So like a lot of, right. a lot of font hunting to find something that felt appropriately sixties. And uh, you know, yeah. that, that adds that final touch, just kind of like set it into the, into that, into that feel. Oh, yeah, um, it works. When I had when I had my solo show in September at Gallery 1988, um I went one further, one step further in my nerdiness and I'm like, can I write up uh a almost a history as if these were actual magazines that were published? 
And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I wrote up this like fake history of a publishing house called Radical Publications and a, a fake story about every one of the magazines. And it was so much fun for me because I'm, I'm just like a big nerd when it comes to that sort of thing. Um, and my brother went out to see the show and he's like, there was a moment when we were looking at it and reading it and saying, is this real? Like, did this, was this really a pulp magazine? I'm like, well, good. I'm glad, I'm glad it was good enough to fool you who definitely knew that it wasn't. So. Yeah. See, I was fooled. You know, I was <laughs> like, man, this is right off the rack. This is how legit this looks, you know, from like the old days for sure. You know, we have a show uh, also on here. We have, we have many series on, on, on the, on the channel. And one of them is, is called, um, is it underrated? Kind of getting the vibe here, my friend, with Legion. Um, you know what I'm saying? Kind of getting the vibe here, dude, because everybody's talking about Loki and everything else and all these other Disney Plus shows, but no one's talking about Legion. And it's almost like, like people for, people forget. It's like it, it is Marvel-based characters here, mm-hmm. you know? But they didn't try to tie it in to the whole Marvel universe, and I think that's the triumph is that Instead of mm. them saying we have to tie this in, Noah Halley was like, I think this has potential to be its own entity. Right. And I think even when they did the the last season of Legion, I think they were even considering casting James McAvoy as Professor X, as you know, young mm. Charles Xavier. And I they decided against it. You know, I don't know what the final reasoning was, but I feel like it was the right decision because it's like the more this stays its own entity, the the more successful it can be, I feel, into having its own flavor. Like, I'll be honest, um, and this is me being an old crank again. It's like, (laughs) I don't get the appeal of all these Marvel Comics movies. You've seen one, you've seen them all. Like, I liked... um, I'm finding a pattern within myself, though, because everything that I like about the Marvel stuff I've seen... Yeah. has been the cheesier stuff like i liked right. captain america up through the uso show when he was wearing like the really cheesy version of his his uniform from the comics uh-huh. and then he puts on like the new stuff and i'm like ah, i don't like it anymore <laughs> and then wandavision which i liked the first three quarters of immensely right. my favorite part was the halloween episode when they're wearing the versions of their costume yeah. like does yeah, nobody yeah. see that it looks so much better than the, her final outfit. Like, could nobody see that? And the same thing with Loki. It's like when they had the alternate universe Lokis and they had the that old That was the Loki. best episode. When they had the old Loki yeah. wearing with the huge horns yeah. and everything. I was that like, was the best this episode. This is what I want to see. I want to see a yeah. show with, with the old Loki. Yeah. And so, like, I think, I don't know. I'm just old and cranky and jaded. But, like, <laughs> I feel like with the Marvel stuff, they've gotten so up their ass about trying to make everything tie together it's like right. it worked in the comic books to a degree because you still had the freedom to read the series and be like right. you don't have to read this other stuff right if you do it will enrich this but you don't have to and now with the marvel stuff i feel like i don't know what is happening i feel like right, i need right. to watch every single thing which i they want you to do of course right right but yeah um yeah i really liked legion because it it had its own it's underrated, and it's yeah it, it had its it yeah. had a definite um character to it and it yeah. had its own vibe which i really dig and and that's what was special about the netflix uh not all of them but because everybody <laughs> knows how i feel about iron fist but the uh like the netflix daredevil show mm-hmm. is like adult violent serious 
it's just kind of you know fans would love to see charlie cox who plays uh matt Mur- uh, murdoch in uh mcu it's like that would be fun that would be cool i'm not gonna lie i'm i'd be i would be kind of up for that but you know we it, it, I, I, we need something for adults too we need variety mm. you know what i'm saying like it, it would be cool if disney had their own little marvel Knights section of movies where we could still have Punisher blow someone's head up. You know what I'm saying? Like you could still have the, Hey, let's go on adventures with Groot. Groot adventures, right? You can have all these fun stuff and you can have your horror stuff. Let's bring in ghost rider. Let's bring in all, you know what I mean? That's why I'm kind yeah. of fingers crossed for the next doctor strange movie. Well, it's funny. Cause the, I, again, I haven't seen them because um, uh, so Sam Raimi's directing. Yeah. And I don't so, know if, I don't know crossed. if I can, speak of them because i haven't seen them and like i'm having an uninformed opinion but like the things i've seen of the first doctor strange movie i'm like oh it's inception like is that that what's going on there (laughs) and it's like when they first announced doctor strange i'm like i remember saying to somebody like somebody else who was like a comic book fan i'm like they need to get a horror movie director on there and do something because if you look at those old steve dicko doctor strange they were so out there like either yeah. you know what would be great is um if they could get like someone like Richard Stanley or uh Ooh. oh god what's a I can't he's not expensive no not at all they can get magic out of that guy for no sure. they could yeah they'll pay him yeah. you know weekend burgers probably um <laughs> what was the name I can't remember his name um the man who directed Mandy like Panos oh uh, Cosmatos Cosmatos yeah that movie was fucking nuts but yeah. like if you could tap that kind of sensibility like just think about that visual and like how great that would meld with like the steve ditko uh you right. know other world like and i think that's my problem with the marvel movies is that like everything has been so homogenized like everybody's costumes look the same everybody's powers do the same kind of thing and it's i watched about maybe the first third of infinity war uh-huh. And I was like, wait a minute, he can, Dr. Strange can create portals to teleport things and he can like, why doesn't he just create a portal around Thanos's arm and cut off the infinity gauntlet? No stars. So like <laughs> this that's, guy, I'm like the, I'm like the worst person to watch Marvel <laughs> movies with. So I'm just like, this sucks. This makes no sense. This could have been over in two minutes, <laughs> but going back again to Legion. Yes. I, yeah. I like, I like the fact that there's a definite look yeah. there, which is right, missing right, from the right. Marvel universe. Oh my goodness. Hey, it's all good, man. It's all good. I'm not judging you. I, won't judge you. I absolutely loved Infinity War, but I, I won't judge you. But I paid my dues, though. I was there since 2008, man. So it was like a 11-year reward. Reward. I can speak English for me. So we were happy about it. Yeah, I think uh, my favorite my favorite one so far has been Guardians of the Galaxy, just because they weren't taking themselves too seriously, and then right. tied up there the first three quarters of WandaVision because it had like a David Lynch vibe to it. So I really picked, I really dug that. Yeah, but in terms of Marvel characters and a story around them, this is very underrated. So yeah, definitely. Maybe we can talk later on when we get off live here. <laughs> discuss a future video. I don't know. But yeah, man, I got a couple of more here. I don't want to keep you too much because I know no, you're busy. That's good. You it's a it's sure. a weekend. I, right. I don't have anywhere to be. This tomorrow. is hilarious. <laughs> Alf, son, going after yeah. the cat. Going after the cat. I was dying. This is uh this is one of my favorites, and this is my wife's favorite from my my show this past September. <laughs> it's so um funny. And again, just taking that kind of vintage pulp iconography of the giant monster 
Um, and again, this is one that went through a lot of design things. Like at first I was like, I'm going to, you know, I had the idea of like making it Alf stalking the cat. Cause that's, you know, that's funny. Oh, it's and I had it like in a kind of a horror vein. So I had like a, a doorway and like a silhouette of Alf and like a scared cat. And I was like, it's not working. It's not working. I'm like, okay, what, what do I need to do? Make yeah. Alf King Kong. Boom. Nailed it. There, that's there it. it is. Kaiju Alf. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't that one was a lot of fun. See, now, now you see you, you're going to my childhood now. <laughs> you're going to my childhood, man. I mean, this is like this yep. is on there with like Willow, like some of my favorite childhood movies of all time was Clash of the Titans, man. That like, channel that I was talking about that showed Flash Gordon, this was the other movie that they had in their collection every oh, year, Clash of the Titans. Wow. That's pretty dope. Yeah, I never I never missed it whenever it aired. I loved it. Oh, that's a that's that's a that's a hell of a double feature, my friend. <laughs> but uh this is fantastic. I love this. Thanks. I love how you even got some of the gore there yep. coming out of the neck a little bit. You got Pegasus in the back. What's up, Clash of the Titans, son? Represent. <laughs> We're getting yeah, gangster today. <laughs> yeah, my oh, favorite. Yeah. Did my this, favorite. Did this take stuff a while here. to do. It's, this took a while. Um, yeah. the, my favorite parts of this were the um we're doing the color palette because I, I love doing the complementary colors like the purplish and yellow sky like really bold colors yeah and then uh, getting the glow around the eyes was really uh that was really tricky to try to do that without it just looking like a blob of white paint um oh, oh and yeah. and painting the the skin texture medusa like um when i posted a detail of this on my instagram i said like if you've never painted ray harryhausen monster skin texture i highly recommend it it is so choice it's so much fun like everything all these little bumps and ridges and you just keep on like you know dotting on the color to get that um yeah a lot of fun my one regret is that uh i love bubo and uh i i wanted to make bubo bigger but I was like, uh, it's too many things. I got too many things going on. If I do Bubo and then I'm going to like want to bring the Kraken in, it's going to be too many things. So like, let's just keep it focused and I'll put Bubo in there. Release the Kraken. <laughs> uh, Bubo, did you get pissed off in the remake when they did the Bubo? You know, I only saw like bits of the remake and uh, it's... Did I you can't... see what they did to Bubo in that movie? Uh, I, they made it a joke, right? Like, yeah, they threw uh, it in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, my my theory on Bubo. Okay, here's my theory. Okay. Okay, um, let, let us hear the theory. Let's so. go back in time to 1980, I think was when it was made. Um, Ray Harryhausen pitching the movie to executives. And uh, executive says, hey, you know what kids like? Star Wars. There was a bleeping robot. It looked like a trash can in that movie. Kids love that. Can we put a robot that bleeps and bloops in this movie? And Ray Harryhausen says, um... No, it's it's ancient Greece, so yeah. they don't have robots. And then the executive does a huge line of coke and says, <clears throat> "Yeah, yeah, a uh, bleeping garbage can robots just what this picture needs." And Ray Harry asks and says, "Okay," and came up with Bubo. That's oh, my that's my theory I, I of how it went down. I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it for sure. <laughs> What's hilarious about uh, Bubo is. Uh, there's a uh, coming out soon. There's an actual replica of Bubo you can buy. I mean, it's beautiful. It's coming a, out that you it's can a get. beautiful design. I was it's cracking up. Silly as hell character for a Greek <laughs> mythology, but it's it's a beautiful design. Like everything right here has. I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it. Why it's there for sure. But yeah, love love the Medusa scene. The Medusa mm. scene still works, bro. That terrified the it crap out of me when I was a kid. Works. Yep. 
even with its dated dated effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Marco here saying this guy's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but yeah, it still works, man. But yeah, I love that piece. I was like, yep, yeah, this this guy's doing stuff that I love here. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's like I and again, I know I've said this several times, but like it's it's amazing to me. I'm never not surprised when I see people react to the stuff that I do with the same feeling. Cause it's like, I'm, I'm just doing this mostly to amuse myself. Yeah. And you know, I mean, there's some stuff I'm like, well, maybe this will be successful. Maybe this will be good. But it's like the clash of the Titans one was like, I really want to do a clash of the Titans piece. I really want to do this. And the same thing with Alf. And uh, <laughs> I had a piece inspired by murder. She wrote in a show. And I was like, yeah. I just want to do like a classic detective cover and I want to use young Angela Lansbury, you know, when she was like 50 instead of 90, you know, and just right, right, right. Just all that stuff. I have two requests. Don't yes. let me forget them. I'm just, I'm going to chat. I got two requests. Don't let me end the show without asking them. <laughs> okay. We'll get to it in a little bit here. And yeah, now we're representing horrors. Uh, mm-hmm. now, we're, now we're doing it. Now they've got all the icons here, man. We got mm-hmm. everybody Myers, Voorhees. Everybody's here. Got the puck in from Halloween yep. three. Yep, this I was mean, another another movie mashup where I was like, okay, starting off with Halloween three, season of the witch, my favorite of the Halloween franchise. Not even it's ironically, over. it's my favorite one. Like, I, you know, I it's still great. like the first one and the second one, but <clears throat> um, and yeah. then I was like, well, what are some other iconic masks in horror? So, is that at the very top? Is that Phantom of the Paradise? Phantom of the Paradise. That's hey, top. points for me. And then uh, let's see, I got uh, Onibaba on the left there. You can barely see it. The little oh, devil shit. mask uh, right yeah. to the left of Michael Myers. That's a great uh, movie, Onibaba. Sam's mask from Trick or Treat. I've got one of the creepy baby masks from Brazil that Michael Palin's character wears. Nice. Uh, Donnie Darko, of course. Right. Uh, you can see Ghostface behind and Leatherface, Jason. And then right over the the person's arm, you can see Leslie Vernon from uh, uh, The Rise I thought of that Leslie, was Leslie Vernon. Vernon. That's and that's another great kind of underrated gem. Dude, the first time I watched it, I was like, "This is so bizarre," but I <laughs> I dig it. And then when it was over, I was like, "This is great, man!" Yeah, that was that was a, a really that's a it is an underrated movie for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love this. You know, I know October's over, but you know, here on the channel, we celebrate Halloween all year. I I think Halloween should at least go through Thanksgiving. Like, oh yeah, oh, if yeah. it weren't for Halloween, we'd be seeing Christmas ads in October. So God bless Halloween. Hell yeah. That's the best holiday of the year. That's it. <laughs> it is for me. Uh, Sexy Sumo says, that's a dope piece. Love it. <laughs> Sexy Sumo loves his artwork as well. For sure. That guy loves his art. Now, this, this again, you're making me laugh here, man. You're cracking me up. Okay. <laughs> now, is this a childhood favorite show? Uh, no. No, I didn't really <laughs> like the show. I've seen it, and I didn't like it. I thought it was stupid. <laughs> I was I was but, reaching out. I thought, well, maybe he no, loves the show. No, I didn't love it. I, okay, I you okay. know, I'd watch it because I was a dumb kid, and you know, <laughs> you know, after school, watch whatever was on syndication, and like, but yeah. I couldn't tell you any of the plot lines or any of the characters' <laughs> names except for Vicky. But again, like thinking of stuff from the '80s and stuff that fits so well with the science fiction, like you can't not have a robot girl there so yeah, right. there it is small wonder my daughter was really proud because she helped me with this one because i needed some reference for the lighting oh, on the face so i right. you know she had a couple different like colored night lights yeah. i'm like okay hold this one right under here so you have the blue light under your face then we have this light here so she's you know it's still the the face of the actress but she provided the lighting reference so she's really <laughs> proud of that 
Well, if there's if if I have to if I have to throw a hail mary here, compliment to that show. <laughs> This is probably the best thing about that show. Right here, <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's all you're getting. That's all you're getting. Small wonder. I hear that goddamn song in my head. Well, that's in the my thing. head I was right like, now. I, goddamn. Oh it. yeah. That's. I mean, that's what inspired the tagline. She's fantastic and made of plastic. Ah. Uh, hor- horrifying. My favorite part about that, though, if you want to go back to Small Wonder for a oh. second, um, oh, yeah, I've right. talked earlier about the write-ups I did for the show. Okay. And this one, I went a little left of center and i was like what would happen if there was actually like a series about a robot girl like written in like the 40s leading to the 50s with like cold war paranoia so i said like the most startling i forgot how i phrased it but the most startling uh vicky the robot story came with the story the last or the robot at the end of time where she's the last survivor of a nuclear holocaust and wandering the earth. <laughs> it's oh like, goodness. I'm just, I'm writing this shit and I'm just you like, went dark here. I you did. And the, like, I tried to like dial it back a little when I wrote, and like at the end of the story, it's revealed. This was just a simulation from a dream <laughs> program. Like, but this does show like the cold war paranoia that infected <laughs> uh, the, you know, the fiction of the fifties. And it's that right, kind of right. stuff. Like I'm such a nerd about, I love looking at like what the cultural, like what would the cultural impact be of a robot girl like in the fifties? So, True. That's that again, super nerdy. And I'm, I'm so happy. The gallery was like, yeah, go with that. And I'm like, yeah, I'll write that. Well, I, I'd watch that show, <laughs> except to not be in a simulation, but I'd watch the post-apocalyptic, <laughs> post-apocalyptic small wonder Vicky. walking around. <laughs> Hell yeah. I would watch that. Uh, Sexy Sumo said, it looks like a Norman Rockwell. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you. I'm nowhere near as good as Norman Rockwell, but I'll take the compliment. Look at that. Oh, man. This is, we're having some, some, some hilariosity moments here. All right. We got Labyrinth up in the house. Yeah. Now, now, in the middle there, who is that? So, my idea was that if it's, I always thought it was weird. You have a whole city of puppets, and then you have David Bowie. Right. I'm like, well, what if he was actually like a goblin puppet? Like, what if he was a goblin and everything that he is Bowie is just his glamour? And I was like, oh, like, so what if I have like the crystal ball holding up in front of his face? So like this right. shows his true goblin self. And I try to like, you know, have the, the stereotype, the um, signature Bowie eyes, you know, the right. one dilated pupil and the one not. Um, and then years later, reading about the movie, I found out that that was one of the early uh and one of the early scripts did actually have at the end, he was going to be revealed to be like a sniffling little goblin. And oh, no it was shit. just an illusion. I was like, Oh, that's cool. Wow. So I accidentally, I accidentally referenced a version that was never made. Wow. Um, oh, that's this, pretty cool. But this was a real, uh, this was a real joy to paint. And like my favorite thing to paint in here though, is, you know, it's like the little things you find that like the favorite thing to paint was just the light coming from behind his hair, kind of just like that glow behind him. Yeah. You know, watching that movie and and just seeing like how awesomely eighties it is, and oh, it's it's awesomely eighties. This this is one of my wife's favorite movies, man. And it, it, this is another one I feel really holds up. I feel like the effects work is fantastic. That whole M C Escher sequence when they're in the uh, you know at the at the end when she's trying to get to Toby and like the yeah. the crystals bouncing around and then bones oh, yeah. walking up the walls like yeah, your eyes could be so cruel. You're nailing it, man. You haven't failed yet tonight. <laughs> You're on a roll. But uh, yeah, this is but, one yeah. of my favorites. So I, I love the fact that, you know, I was able to do a, a labyrinth piece that I feel like was um, 
different I'm, I'm not gonna like talk shit about other artists um but one of the things i see a lot of is when people do alternative movie posters and stuff uh, a lot of people fall back on like the drew struzan style montage yeah. and they have like a character here a character here a character here like all their heads match together and yeah. if you don't work out the composition if you don't have a visual hierarchy it just turns into a mess and it's like one of the things that I, I love seeing is when I see artists who can take something that's a relatively simple idea and right. execute it really well. I feel it's a lot stronger sometimes than just having like a, a face salad, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I'm, I'm kind of so used to the face salad because mm-hmm. it, it's so many of them out there. Face salad posters. I like that. I like that term. I'm going to use it now. I stole it. <laughs> I'm going to steal it. Um, <laughs> well, it's out there now. But, um, my wife was really the one that just hated it. And she kind of turned me on to the alternate versions of posters Mm -hmm. that are so much more interesting. And now I'm under that fold now. Like I like the alternate version. Maybe it might be the Japanese release Mm -hmm. of it or international release or something like that. Like for example, you have Lord of the Rings, the two towers, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we enjoyed the movie. So I wanted the face salad poster. Right. And then she's like, no, 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 look at this. And the alternate poster was just the two towers. Right. Mm -hmm. And the army below. And that's it. Yep. And it's so much more interesting and it catches your eye than the traditional. We got to throw all the actors all on the, we got to throw them all on there. And so many of those posters are so vanilla, man. Yeah. It's so um, vanilla. There's a couple of really good documentaries. Uh, There's, uh, Drew, the man behind the poster, which is all about Drew Strews, and um, okay, and goes into uh, why he retired and like basically because you know the the trend in movie posters moved away from you know art into just assembly line Photoshop assemblage, right? Um, and then there's another one. I think it's called Twenty Four by Thirty Six, and it's about movie posters. Uh, also about you know places like Mondo and um, Hero yeah. Complex Gallery. Um, who have done alternative movie posters. Um, but there's a lot in there too about uh, some of the classic poster artists. And uh, um, just you look at these older posters and some of them did do the montage treatment. I mean, that was a, a viable advertising right. uh, way of doing things, but they did it with an artistic eye looking at it and realizing like, right. what will make this make sense and work. Right. Um, in the Drew Struzan um documentary all you need to do is look at his posters that he did for harry potter he did the poster for uh the first harry potter movie and then he had done all the like comps and design work and and uh sketches and roughs for the second one for the chamber of secrets and the studio decided no we're just gonna do we are our focus groups decided that photo you know uh photoshop posters are better than painted ones for whatever reason yeah yeah. um for like bullshit reasons obviously yeah he finished that poster just for himself because he's like i had it so far along and you look at the one that he came up with for the chamber of secrets if you if you can google it now look at drew screws and chamber of secrets and then look at what the actual poster was and you can see the difference like they're both uh sort of an assemblage montage of different characters but one is done with a real eye towards the entire composition where the other one is just Throw some faces up there. Right. Gotcha. 
So I love it. And this is like going back to the Twilight Zone posters that I was doing for each episode. Like I love when I see artists who can work in a minimalist way or at least a, uh, you know, just a simple idea and make it really work. So I think it can be super effective. That's my TED talk. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to find the poster. Yeah, and the Drew Struzan one, he's got Drew like the, the kids, and he's got like the you know the the sort of the fountain or whatever that the snake comes out of, and it's just there's a real eye towards the light and the and the colors and everything. Right. Um, but yeah, it's is the one with just Harry and uh, is it just one? Is it a close up of Harry? No, I think it's uh, Harry and Hermione and uh, a bunch of other people too. Right. Well, I have to look it up later. I don't want to. I don't want to search the whole time while you're sitting here. <laughs> uh, I'll definitely have to check it out though for sure. Uh, I enjoy this keeping it horror for sure. Yep, that was a yeah, fun man. one. Yep, uh, Hellraiser. Actually, Hellraiser two, as you can tell by the that was supposed to be um, what was her name? Julie was that the mm-hmm. woman's name? I think um, it's Julie. Yeah, her, yeah her hand with her flayed skin there yeah um yeah the first two hellraiser movies i really love oh yeah um this sure. the third one is i feel like they started getting into nightmare on elm street territory everything was getting a little jokier and then there's you know the fourth one was just bananas <laughs> although third it was one's worth still, third one's the, still fun the fourth one's worth it just to see adam scott in a bad wig like <laughs> that's pretty hilarious uh thoughts on the new uh series coming up you know that's that's another property there. Like I feel like there's enough there that if they if they do it right, it could be great. They can nail it because like there's. I feel like that's another one too. Where like the first movie it was you know all, all Clive Barker, and then with the second one, like they add a little bit more of the mythology. Like he delved yeah. into it a little bit more, and then after that, it was just you know people just throwing whatever ideas they thought in there. Right, um, and. I don't, I got to say like Clive Barker, like uh, with his fiction, I have a kind of mm, meh reaction to some of it. I love and some of it. I'm like, I don't, I don't like this at all. And like, I, I read, let me guess his, your favorite movie is Rawhead Rex. <laughs> I've never seen it. I was shocked to find there was a movie of that. Cause I'd read the story in the books of blood and I'm like, they made a movie of Rawhead Rex. Holy <laughs> shit. Um, no, actually my favorite Clive Barker movie is probably Candyman. Um, Oh yeah, classic. I, I love that one. I mean, we're getting into crazy ass digressions here, but like I love that one because it's got such a gothic feel to it. And yeah, mostly oh, yeah. thanks soundtrack. to like, Philip Gla- Philip Glass's score elevates that movie so much. Oh yeah, and um, I I do want to see the the remake slash reboot slash sequel. Yeah. That's it's good. I that, like the original better, but it's good. I mean, the how do you compete with you know Tony Todd, the, the voice that makes you shit your pants? You know, it's just like talking about like smooth low voice. Yeah, like I, I know. can't even drop down to that register. Yeah, but, I ran um, into him at a convention. He's a very nice guy. Oh, uh, I hear these. I hear, all these people in my horror movies who are best known for him. I, I hear like all these things about how they're like the nicest people. Yeah, and it's that's pretty awesome. But um, yeah, Clive Barker. Going back to that, like I feel like I read his book that was supposed to be like the end of the hellraiser series i can't even remember it came out probably like five or six years ago um and i was so disappointed i was like this is just crap like i i don't know what happened it's, it's just like he. i didn't even know he made i didn't know he ended the series like the, yeah it was I like even... he took his character like the detective character who was in lord of illusions and like some other characters from his other books and they formed like this 
Strike Force to go into hell to take down Pinhead, who had it taken sounds over awesome. the seat of hell. <laughs> I think there's potential, but it's like right. I was reading, I was like, man, this is just terrible. How like, is that not a movie? Uh, well, I'm kind of stunned, actually. You know, I mean, you know, Hollywood is right. That's what I mean yeah. by that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's high concept for them. Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is what's in. Let's bring in yep. all the, all the, the Hellraiser Cinematic Universe. <laughs> and the, the pet, they can have a pet monster <laughs> and Rawhead Rex. But it'll be cute. But yeah, it'll Hellraiser. Be cute to bring I, in the kids. Hellraiser, I feel like there's enough there where if you just take it back to the beginning and then, you know, there's. I think with that too, because it's so loosey goosey with what people did with it, you have a lot of freedom where you probably could take right. it in weird directions. I mean, the coolest thing to me about Hellraiser two was that ending when they reveal like all these Cenobites were once human and like, you know, Pinhead turns back to the, the you know, yeah. man he was. And then the, I think it was the chatterer like turns back to like a little kid and you're like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> what? how did the little kid get wrapped up in this? Yeah. But like, I feel like there's a lot of interesting stuff that they could do. Oh, for sure. Hopefully they don't botch it. Oh, I'm sure and they if will. they botch it, me and Steven will let everybody know. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, I, have, one, I have a few opinions. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, this one, uh, I'm sure Lady Fabblood, because she loves the movie, my wife, uh, she's definitely going to love this. I haven't showed this one to her yet, but uh, this is great, man. Thank you. This was, again, I find The Babadook to be one of the scariest movies I've ever seen, and uh, I... I wanted to do a piece for it. This was for Hero Complex Gallery. They invited me to be right. part of their Shadows in the Dark show. I'm so happy to be a part of this. And uh, I is another one where I, I took this through a couple different designs. I had the idea. I'm like, she's got to be reading the book. And there's got to be like the shadow of the monster. And I was like, I can't get, you know, at first I had a really close up on her. And I'm like, it's not working. Right. It's like, we got to make her smaller. And then it just becomes so much more menacing. And uh, it's just the visual of Babadook. I love so much. I love the fact that they took their cues from the old silent movies and like the London after midnight, uh, infamous Lon Chaney stills. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. so much of that movie is just suggested horror. And yeah, that's it's... some of my favorite stuff is like the psychological, like suggested stuff that's yeah. not necessarily gory. No, no. But that's, that's the thing is it's, you know, I, when people want to watch it, I have to warn them too. Like I have to go, look, you know, this is a psychological horror movie mm -hmm. with a lot of metaphor. Mm -hmm. That's what this is. It's not mm -hmm. a slasher. It's not necessarily a creature feature because a lot of people have watched it and they're just like, this, I hate this. Yeah. The because they didn't do anything. Gonna... They thought it was going to be a monster. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's not what it was. It's the, I... the internal monster of the mind. Yeah, yeah, and when we uh, when I was doing the horror podcast with uh, my buddies, they um, a couple of them were like, "Oh, that that kid was so annoying." I'm like, "Yeah, this time like, I'd already been a parent, and I'm that like, was the yes, point. kids can be <laughs> annoying, and there are times as a parent you want to murder your kid, yeah. and that's the whole idea." Yeah, it's like this poor woman is just and, and the poor kid, too. It's like the whole thing. It's like the kid that scene where he tells somebody like my dad died on the day I was born. It's like so he's been told that and like how <laughs> fucked up is that that he's grown up with that? Like this yeah. is my life. Yeah. And so like, yeah, there's so many levels that movie works on. And I feel right. like it's so effective and like just even like looking up. I was I was getting reference material for doing it and like getting some stills of the, like the faces and stuff. Yeah. 
And like even looking at like the close-ups of the faces online, like I was looking up some stuff and like I came across like a gif of like the face when like zooms down from the ceiling. I'm like, ah, <laughs> like even just like looking at it on the computer screen, I'm like, that's too much. Can't look at that. <laughs> but yeah, the, the 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 lead actress in that, what a phenomenal performance mm-hmm. in that yeah. movie, man. Wow. Just really good, man. Really good. Yeah, I read a really great uh, but, you know, essay teach about his it. Own. Teach yeah, his own. It's not I read a really great one. essay about that movie talking about how like horror actors get overlooked for yeah. when it comes to award season. It's like, yep. yeah, because she was fantastic in that. Mm-hmm. It's always it's always horror, martial arts, and, and action always mm-hmm. gets looked down upon. Yeah. Like they turn, they put their nose up in the air and they're like, oh, it's one of those horror films. Well, man. somebody said once, and I, it might have even been uh, uh, Jonathan Demi saying, like, the only reason the Silence of the Lambs won uh, Academy Awards is because they called it a thriller. It's like, this is a horror uh-huh. movie. But they called it a thriller, so it was uh-huh. okay. Yep. Some bullshit. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I enjoyed that movie. But now, on a lighter side, this is fucking hilarious and great at the same time. This is so good, man. <laughs> You got Dune, you got Beetlejuice, and Tremors. Come yeah, on. This is my first. This is purchase worthy for sure. This was my first movie matchup when I was like, okay, what? Three movies with sandworms. Like, let's let's do this. Like, the great sandworm race. So I decided to put it yeah. all together. And um, <laughs> this was one of my favorites. And uh, it's, it's funny because this uh, piece was one of the earliest ones I did for Gallery 1988 for their cult movie show. Yeah. And every couple of years it would resurface on like somebody's Tumblr or on Reddit or something like that. And I'll be like, have you seen this? And then like, I'd get people like, Hey, do you still have that print? I'm like, no, I don't have the print at all. Sold out <laughs> like an idiot. Like I sold made yeah. a limited edition, but, um, but it's, it's great. a lot of fun. And just, again, it's like three movies that they tickle different parts of my my geekiness like dune you know it's it's so over the top and and so uh it's it's so flawed but it's it's so fun to watch because it's so (laughs) bizarre and then beetlejuice of course is another near perfect or perfect movie and then tremors is just so much fun watching you know rednecks fighting uh sand monsters and so like i was like it's it's perfect it's a perfect combination of movies you got remo williams teaming up with the baconator (laughs) it's 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 great for sure definitely now this one now (laughs) this one okay so this um can i score some points before you talk about it mm -hmm. i want to score some points go ahead was this inspired by frank frazetta yes it was frank frazetta's painting i believe it's entitled the swamp god yes um, this actually didn't make it to the cut of a show. It was an official, supposed to be an official licensed WWE um, tribute show. And this and didn't make it. Didn't make it. And I'll tell you why. Okay. okay. So first off, the version you have here, the image that you found is my original painted version. Now, when I when you worked with them, uh, whenever the gallery would work with an official show, you'd always have more hoops to jump through. You'd have to get approval on your design. So I sent a draw. I sent a concept. Uh, I said I want to do the Ultimate Warrior and have him like rising, like uh, you know, from the depths to to right. fight whoever you know. And I always in my head I had like the Swamp God painting. I was like I want to do the Swamp God and try to you know do my best Rosetta impersonation. And they were okay with it. And I sent them the drawing, and they were okay with it. And I sent them the layout with the text and everything else, and they were okay with it. God damn it! I think I, I know what's wrong. But go I ahead. did the painting. Go ahead. Came back. They say he looks nude. 
they oh, need to have undies on it. All right. Well, that's the first one. They say he needs to have undies on. <laughs> okay. I, at that time, I already had prints made. I had right. already like varnished the painting and like. Oh, for fuck's sake. And I was like, can you, can, you, can you say, like, this is in shadow? Like, yeah. it's, you don't need to see it. And it's like, no, they think he looks nude. Oh, my God. They need it back. So I didn't do the prints because I'm like, I, I can't afford to print uh, these over again. So right. I'll, just, I'll fix right. the painting. So I painted the undies on the painting. Okay. Gave, so which drew more attention to his crotch because all of a sudden his crotch was like, I had he's got like these green Speedos on. And so like. I wanted to keep it kind of dark, but like I needed to make sure they knew he's wearing underwear. He's not oh hanging his dick out. Right. So right. I felt like with the repainted version, it drew more attention to the crotch because it's also like dead center of the composition. <laughs> like, boom, there's his dick. <laughs> but it's like, that's what they want. So I sent that back in. I sent that okay. picture in. I'm like, there it is. And then the gallery owner came back and was like, I'm so sorry. They say they want you to repaint the tassels on his legs because they look like intestines. Oh my like, God. At that point, I'm like, you know what? I'm just, I'm, I'm not even going to bother. Like, forget no, it. Like, this is too fuck, ridiculous. Fuck that, dude. It's like, have you seen his costume? Like, the dude, <laughs> it's like it's tassels all over. And meanwhile, like there's other artwork that went in the show with like Jake, oh, the snake Roberts. And it's like, God. that's, that snake is like basically a giant penis, like in that picture. And it's like, <laughs> all right, well, whatever. Yeah. So this never made it to the show. Um, and there it is. That's that's my well, story of dealing with WWE. Yeah, it made it the Fat Samurai Show. So that's there right. It is. We're highlighting it and celebrating <laughs> this masterpiece here tonight. Yeah, this, this was uh, this was my attempt to, to ape Frazetta, and I failed miserably on most of it. But at least I got the composition right. Um, well, I thought it was cool. That's why I wanted to show well, it tonight. Thanks. So there you go. <laughs> so WWE can suck it, <laughs> literally. It looks like intestines. <laughs> really? Yeah. At really? that point, Do you see blood all over the place. At that point, I was like, they're just looking for a reason to, to not do it because, like, yeah. that's that was the most ridiculous. Oh my God. Uh, that was the most ridiculous thing I could imagine. So, that's one of the other things about um, you know doing the work with the galleries. Generally, it's it's pretty much just fan art, so you get a pretty free reign of what to do, and that's yeah, really awesome. Although sometimes when you have to work getting approval all of a sudden that puts a monkey wrench in things there was a yeah. um a family guy show that they were supposed to do years ago and uh i was all set to do a painting i'd, I'd done a drawing of it um it was going to be peter griffin fighting the giant chicken uh but in the manner of doc savage actually you know what hold on one second i got sure. it right here sure, take your time yeah, take it time Getting exclusive here tonight. Oh. Hold on, let me blow it up. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. So that was going to be, that was the drawing. Yeah, let's I've see gotten as far as the drawing. Peter Griffin fighting the giant chicken in the manner of the James Bama Doc oh Savage covers. God, that looks great. And then we got a <laughs> emails from the gallery saying Fox has decided that they don't want to move forward with this show. So like they changed whoever was working in their publicity department, um, yeah. changed management. And so they were like, we're not going to do this anymore. And so it's like that kind of thing that's really frustrating. But yeah, um, 
I guess that's part of the deal when you work with big business. I'm sure many artists who have had to do like official licensed material have had a much harder things to deal with than that. For sure. But uh, I would have loved to seen that on the wall for sure. Someday I'm going to finish it because I say I, do it, dude. I, I love that drawing so much and someday I'm going to finish it when I have Oh the yeah, there'll be people out there that would love to buy that. <laughs> of course. That's like an iconic scene from that show. They will, they'll buy it. Plus, I mean, you already started it. It looks great I know. It's already. like it's, it's, so finish it. It's on the way. That's right. <laughs> Copy that. Oh, I did that one. All right. And this is still awesome. Wrestling fans. <laughs> Wrestling fans, you'll so know where to go to get a piece. The upside That's of right. this is I do have all the prints that never made it to the show. I still have them for sale at my website, sandroidillustration.bigcartel.com. Um, so if you, if, you, drop. if you don't mind having an Ultimate Warrior with leg tassels that look like intestines and, you know, not <laughs> clearly marked a package in underoos. You know what my guess was? You know what my guess was before you said you're, well, you still, you know, told me what happened. Mm-hmm. My guess was I thought they were going to be like, oh, it looks like he's being crucified. We can't have any religious. <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say. That would but, be uh, hilarious. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I swear, man. The Christ imagery of the ultimate warrior. Let's, let's write that thesis. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, we're having fun here. Let's keep it going. Boom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this man. Creep another, show. This is another one of the few paintings I've done where I'm like, I. I'm happy with it. I'm, there's nothing I, I would redo. Creepshow is one of my favorite fun horror movies. Like I find like somebody asks, like, what's your favorite horror movie? I'm like, I can't answer that. Cause it's like yeah. serious horror, psychological right. horror, classic yeah. horror, fun horror, cheesy yeah. horror. Mm-hmm. And this is my favorite fun horror movie. Oh yeah. Um, That's great. Just so, so much, so much inspiration in there too, with all the different stories. Yeah. Like on our, versus episode we had a while back we did a creep show versus tales from the hood and we showed a lot of love for tales from the hood because it's such a good movie but overall creep show got the vote and got the win for the night of course but uh love tales from the hood though as well but you got gizmo what gizmo (laughs) up in the house y'all yeah this This was um this was uh gallery 1988 does a black friday sale uh print sale every year and uh, in 2020, right? What year is yeah. this? This is 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's <laughs> time has no meaning anymore. I know. No, um, not really. Uh, but in 2020, they wanted me to take part in it. And I was like, oh, great. And uh, this was one I had considered doing for my solo show. <clears throat> and I was like, well, why don't I take this one? Because it's a holiday-themed one, and I'll, I'll do this. So yeah. um, I was trying to figure out like what to do with that. And I was like, oh, so what if you know, he's a Christmas present. So make him a Christmas present. And then the thing that really tied it together was like, let's make the wrapping paper gremlin wrapping paper and having the one, I don't know if you can see it, but the one gremlin head with the striped Mohawk on the wrapping paper. Oh, oh, nice. nice. And like just to the left of center. Yeah. So nice. That's fun. Gotta love gremlins, man. You know, yeah. they've been talking about a remake of gremlins for, I don't know how long, you know, how bad that's going to be, dude. Awful. It'll be all CGI. It'll be and all CGI. You know, my, you know my old man views on CGI. When my day, they had puppets, and we love those puppets. This has become the old man podcast. Ah, I'm gremlins Grumpy too. Old there, man. Was a, there was a puppet wearing makeup, and she was sexy, and we liked that. She Damn made you. out with she made out with John Glover, and that's what we wanted to see. Damn you, kids with your firecrackers, <laughs> keeping me up at night. Yeah, we're, it's the grumpy old man podcast now. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but it's going to be CGI, and guess what? It's going to be family friendly. 
the people yeah. forget people forget there was family friendly moments in the first gremlins but it was dark moments too oh my god yeah <laughs> gremlins Although, blowing up in the microwave people i got gotta say up. speaking of family friendly um yeah I think I'm one of the few people who prefers Gremlins 2 to Gremlins just because I love it's how fun. zany it is. It it's again it's it's, it's camp. It's like we yeah. talked about earlier. Like it doesn't take itself seriously at all. Christopher Lee is is great like making fun of his, you know, his over the top horror personality. Yeah. But I love the fact that they question the rules. They're like, what happens if he's eating a bagel and gets a caraway seed stuck in his teeth, <laughs> but he doesn't eat it until after midnight? Does that still right. count? Yeah. What if he flies to a different time zone? Like all those, all those yeah. silly things. So, but like Gremlins Two is fun. It gets a it bad rap. I don't know why. It's a fun movie. Oh, you got yeah, uh, sequels. Trash Pondo Ponds here, and we liked it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Give us our damn puppets. You know, we had latex puppets, and we were glad for latex puppets. <laughs> oh man! So you mentioned it earlier. So I had, I, I have to play it now. This is or post it now, man. This. <laughs> Is got it. This is one of my favorites, dude. This is one of my first pieces this, that I did again, like when I was just, I was, I was burned out on trying to like appeal to children's book market. I'm like, you know right. what? I'm just, I, I got to do something for me. Like, what do I like? And I was thinking of Spinal Tap, and uh, it's yeah, you got to love the tap. Yeah, I mean, there's this uh, is just Stonehenge, son. Come on. My wife and I just rewatched this the other day. Um, we were working on some stuff and in in the studio and we just pop this on in the background and it's so funny. It's, you can it's another one every day. It's, it's another one that's yeah. so quotable too. Yes. I mean, just like so many things that are hilarious and they're the whole armadillos in the trousers. We're up there in tight trousers and we've got armadillos down our trousers. So they're quite fearful of us. And the size. You know, <laughs> uh, well, we don't say love your brother. We don't, we don't literally say it. We don't literally mean it, but we're anything but racist. <laughs> What was they're that? Like, was like, like, we were the originals, but there was another group called the originals. We called ourselves the new originals, and then they called themselves, and then we went back to being originals. We became the Thamesmen. Um, just so much the of the regular. stuff. <laughs> so much of the stuff there that you could tell was improv that you just oh, running yeah. with it too. Yeah. Um, and then just the, some some the of the lines. Feature? Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Some of the lines too, just like they're so perfect. Like when they're talking about the Stonehenge, uh, the Stonehenge show after. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I think you're making too big a thing of it. And one of them says, making a big thing of it would have been a good idea. <laughs> oh, dude, like, seriously, if this is on TV every day, mm. I, I would probably watch it. My uh, my older brother is a music teacher, and he always lamented. Uh, he's a high school music teacher, and he said, I wish that it didn't have so much cursing in it because he would show it to his students just because it's <laughs> so funny. And I know that, like, I've read all about all the rock bands that uh, – say like they feel like spinal tap took snapshots of their touring and it's like everybody's had the spinal tap moment where the yeah. pod didn't open or they get lost backstage <laughs> yeah chris jericho said he had a start the wrestler chris jericho said he had a spinal tap moment where he was going trying to get to the ring for his match and he just kept going in circles. he got lost and he's like what the hell oh man but yeah it's it's one of the funniest movies ever made but it's is this the first fake documentary? Uh, I think technically, movie. I think the Meet the Ruddles was the first one, right? Isn't that the the one that was like a parody of the Beatles? I have not seen that one. How um, old, when did that come out? Seventies. Oh, okay. Well, maybe that was. Yeah, the first. I think. I, I and then I've I've never seen it. I just know it by reputation. I want to say Eric Idle's in it. 
Um, <laughs> but don't hold me to that. Um, but yeah, I this one, I, one up. I feel like this one really like cemented the term mockumentary yes. and like started yeah. that. But yeah, yeah. Um, this is another piece where it's like, uh, I see a lot of flaws, but I, I also see like where I was, where I was starting to get it right. And being like, okay, this is, this is a good direction. This is fun. Oh, and this yeah. is, I'm... this is one of the pieces I sent to gallery 1988 to start oh, working yeah. with them. So that's cool. For sure, man. Like this, you know, I'm sure there's tons of people on me. I would buy this for sure. Like, this is great, man. <laughs> but, uh, but, and, and what's so great about it, it's, it's funny. It's got good writing. It's great, great performances. But they're legit artists, though. That's the thing. It's like it's a fake mockumentary. It's a mockumentary, yeah. but they all play their instruments. They and all he, sing. They all made the songs. Yeah, and you know about the the folksmen, right? You know the folksmen from A Mighty Wind. Um, right. They would open yeah. Spinal Tap shows as the folksmen, and yeah. the audience would boo the folksmen because they yeah. wouldn't realize it was the same people. Yeah. And it's like yeah. they it was like just another level of the joke when they do it. It's yeah. like we're we're opening for ourselves and they yeah. don't know it and they're booing yeah. us. And that's and then they go leave and they come back out of spinal tap. <laughs> and the crowd's yeah. like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then um did you see them uh taking a shot at Metallica with the black album concept? Uh, how much blacker could it be? None yeah. none blacker. <laughs> it's like it does look like black leather. <laughs> Dude, again, I love, you're nailing all the you're nailing talking, all the interpretations and accents. I love tonight, when they're man. talking so, about their their album concept and they're talking about like you have you have Fran Drescher's like you have a greased naked woman on all fours with a leather glove stuffed in her face, and the manager's like, "Well, it wasn't a glove, believe me. You should have seen what they wanted to put there." It's like, <laughs> And then um, later on, when they see that other rock star in the hotel and are like, his album cover, he's like being knocked on by all these half nude women. It's like, oh, but he's the victim. He put a spin on it. Oh, it's such a fine line between stupid and clever. I'm like, yep, that's that really is a, the most profound thing to come out of that movie, though. There is a fine line between stupid and clever. Yeah, you just have to look true. at Will Ferrell's movies and you can see that. Yeah. yeah. Like Anchorman. Yeah, clever. Anchorman yeah. too. Stupid. Yeah, <laughs> like, cross that line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. But yeah, it's just there's so like you said, there's so much quotable stuff in that mm-hmm. man. Like it's just ridiculous. You know, well, we're, we're, we're trying to we're trying to be sexy. Like, what do you say? Uh, the album cover they say it's sexist. It's like, what's, what's wrong, wrong with, with being, being sexy? sexy? <laughs> sexist. And just all the things with Christopher Guest and cutaways with Rob Reiner when he's like showing him guitars and he's like. Yeah. This one, you know, listen to the sustain on it. Ah, you can like go have a bite and come back. Ah, it's like, well, I don't hear anything. Oh, that's because I'm not playing it now. Like, this one's still got the tag on it. Don't look at it, it can never be played. Don't, don't touch, touch it. it, don't look at it. Yeah, <laughs> oh my god, like all day we could talk about Spinal Tag, man. I swear, Chad, if you have never seen Spinal Tag, make sure you check it out, man. It's a classic uh mockumentary for sure. We got a poster, a 27 by 40 poster in the garage, man. Got to represent the the tap. That's right for sure. Now we're getting towards the end here, and now now you're speaking samurai guy's language. If you if you weren't already, but now now I'm like what 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 Conan Beastmaster Willow Crow Legend in the Back Darkness. What what is happening? Um, this was one again, you know, going for the montage idea. And I was thinking of 80s fantasy movies and how, yeah. you know, there are tons of them and they run the range from the great ones to like the, the schlock that went direct to video, like, you know, um, 
you know, the Barbarian Brothers kind of stuff and <laughs> that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, the Hercules, you know, Lou Ferrigno movies. Um, and this one I had it in my head for a couple of years and I was like, I, I really want to do this. And like this, the, the year I did, it, I'm like, that, this is it. I'm going to do the, the action fantasy movie one. And uh, this is one of my wife's least favorite pieces because she is not generally a fan of like the fantasy action movies. She likes legend, never ending story. She likes, um, well, you got legend there. <laughs> yeah, I got, yeah, I got that. You know, I mean, yeah. Tim Curry as as darkness is the thing that makes that movie watchable. Oh, yeah. I think. Um, oh yeah. yeah, you can't beat him. You can't it's beat Tim all Curry about there. Tim Curry. <laughs> I mean, thank God they left his lips with no prosthetics because he got that Tim Curry sneer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, just watched the legend on uh, recently. We just actually checked it out, which is kind of funny. That's um, the arrow. There you go. Our guy knows what's up. Just the arrow editions, uh, really good, man. Because I gotta say, yeah, the the director's and, uh, cut, yeah, with the original Jerry Goldsmith's. I love the Jerry Goldsmith soundtrack. It's grown on me now, and um, I didn't like it at first. Well, it's funny because watching it, it's good. I like the Tangerine Dream one for its eightiesness. Yeah, like all synth pan flutes and shit. Like I love that. It's it's so eighties and it brings me back. But then the Jerry Goldsmith is so brilliant. It's such a beautiful impressionistic score. Yeah. And um, I find the the behind the scenes on on the Legend um, DVD when Ridley Scott is talking about it, and uh, he's talking about the decision to nix the soundtrack and replace it with Tangerine Dream. It's like he was watching it at, with a test audience, and some people started making jokes and laughing. And he's like, "I can smell pot." Like they were obviously stoned uh, and watching, but yeah. it, he said it gave him second thoughts like oh my gosh is this too is this too tweet. like sweet is tweet. it too yeah too yeah. twee um right. and so he said we're gonna put in the rock music instead get tangerine right. dream the synthetic score and um which i still love but yeah yeah it's it's yeah. it's good um but watching with jerry goldsmith and also seeing director's cut there's so much more that that makes sense having said that i still think it's a flawed movie there's some things that really bug me um, yeah. The fact that the goblins, who are the villains for the first two thirds of the movie, disappear and don't show up again in the end. Right. It's like I really wanted to see Blix yeah. come back and get yeah, Nero in point. the chest from you know yeah. the the yeah. lead fairy or whatever. Um, but there's so much stuff in there to love. And then um, when I was doing this painting, I decided like, okay, so again, this is me being nerdy. I'm like, okay, so yeah. what would be a story? So it's not just like, oh, look at all these movies. So it's like, okay, so what if darkness came to Fantasia and the, there's the uh, the childlike empress who is like a font of innocence and purity that right. would be like candy to him. So like the, the story in my head is like, okay, so darkness comes um, from his universe to Fantasia. And so they have to summon heroes from all these other universes. So I'm like, okay, so who is the best visually... Uh, iconic heroes. I'm like, you gotta have Willow. Right. Um, you gotta have Conan. Uh, Beastmaster, yeah. yeah, Arnold. My boy right there. I uh, love the first Conan movie. Oh, um, yeah. I got the sword. Replica. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Beastmaster, I'm like, well, I gotta do it because he had the animals. Like, Beastmaster right. is one of those movies that's on the fence with being like one of those super cheesy because it's, it's like there's fun. some it's so there. fun though yeah it's a little rapey yeah. and like the ferrets are a little you know silly but like wait hold on i didn't hold include on. the ferrets there are wait no ferrets in there <laughs> it's a ferret wait I a minute co- in the back is that the uh the cat is that a castle in the back 
That's the that's the ivory tower from uh, Fantasia from the Neverending Story. Oh, I thought that looked familiar. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, I was, I was almost going to throw in uh, a Treyu and the Luck Dragon too, but I just couldn't make it work. Right. Um, right. All right. But then you know, Kroll, another one that's like it's a, a Goonie movie, but like it's got that great weapon, the the starfish. Oh yeah. Throwing star thing. The glaive. And I'm like, well, I got to include that too. And then. Yeah. Um, you know, I decided like I gotta like so these would be the heroes summoned. I thought like that would be a fun thing to read. Like I'd watch that movie. I think um, we would all watch this movie. <laughs> and then it was funny too because uh, after I had done the painting, my wife's like, "You realize that this is just like that Star Wars poster, the uh, the you know the original Star Wars poster." And I'm looking at the pose and like, "Oh shit, yeah." I kind of like uh, subconsciously, like with the the Max Rebo band, I I totally. Uh, intentionally oh. aped the star wars poster for this one I'm like oh yeah. yeah i got like it got darth vader head in the yeah. back and then this grouping yeah, yeah. of heroes i'm like okay don't tell anybody but like this is totally <laughs> unconscious i did not mean to rip it off it's just like it's culturally in my in my brain yeah, it's and fine it, just came it out works this way. it works <laughs> you know it's funny it's kind of cool that you have uh what you call from crawl there because that movie's a fantasy anyway it oh, just yeah. has sci-fi elements as well but it's like horses sword fighting you yeah, know, it's, so it it's kind of totally, works too, and it's so mm-hmm. again, it's like trying to find the most '80s movies. You know. All right, now I have two requests. Okay, <laughs> I'm ready. Hit me. <laughs> he's gonna be so busy, guys. He's probably not gonna do it. But I'm just throwing. I'm throwing out ideas. I'm throwing out ideas. All right, if you can, mm-hmm. if it may be in the future, possibility, do some kind of montage like you did with these guys. Mm-hmm. but all martial arts movies of the 80s, right? Big Trouble, Little China, mm-hmm. right? Last Dragon, Revenge oh, of the Ninja, <laughs> you know, some Chuck Norris in there, like a little bit, you know, American Ninja, so like anything, like some well, kind of, I don't know how really you would fun. do it. I got to say, I gotta say um, that the one thing is like that, those movies were never part of my wheelhouse as much. Like I've seen some of them, but like, it's like, I was always drawn to more of the fantasy stuff. That's why right, embarrassingly right, right. the ones I know are like the last dragon. Cause like, I remember that movie, like watching that with, uh, with show. No, never like, seen big trouble in little China. I never seen big trouble. In little China. Add that to blade runner. Like I got blade runner, buckaroo bonsai, big trouble, in little China. Yep. There's, there's a handful of cult movies that, I have never seen, and I've killed you, and I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's okay. It's okay because, like with Flash Gordon, hey, with me, better late than never, mm-hmm. right? You gotta watch Picture of a You know, it's it's one I gotta say because, like, again, it's another one that pops up whenever they do like you know cult movie shows, and people like rave about it. I'm like, I gotta There's see nothing, it at some point. Put it put it this way. You may not like it as much as I do, as I do do because I grew mm-hmm. up with it. But it's not, there's nothing like it on this planet <laughs> because it's a mixture of so many genres in one movie, and that's kind of why it failed when it came yeah. out. People don't people don't realize Big Trouble in China bombed. Yeah, a lot of John Carpenter's movies bombed. The Thing yeah. bombed, and now right? it's like a classic. And uh, you know, right? You talk about like but you the got thing a little remake, bit of everybody compares it. You got a little bit of horror. You got martial arts. You have fantasy, mm-hmm. you Action, have comedy, <laughs> you have everything in Big Trouble in China. There's so many, so many genres mixed in. Uh, but what's I'll tell you this, uh, and this this will might, might entice you. 
the whole joke about Big Trouble in Little China that no one no one got when it came out was Kurt Russell's amazing in the movie as Jack Burton, but the hero is really the sidekick. That's the joke of the movie. The that sidekick, cool. yeah, the sidekick is really the badass. <laughs> <laughs> but Jack Burton always, he's always this big shit talker. Oh, Jack Burton, I'm here. Let's go. I'm here to save the day. I'm telling you, it's all, it's all up your alley. Well, now I got to see, see it. I got a list. Yeah. I got a list of stuff. You got a list, man. <laughs> fuck Blade Runner and all that shit. No, fuck it. You're going to straight to Big Trouble in Little China. Straight to Big Trouble. But anyway, anyway, um, uh, yeah, man, that, if you could, it's just an idea. Some it's a good idea. Goodness of all the martial arts movies, you know, Bloodsport. There's so many, but my other suggestion of ideas is kind of in the same wheelhouse. Uh, everything John Carpenter, maybe in one shot. Uh, that's you a know? tall order because that's a lot of stuff. I mean, I know. I have. <laughs> I did have. You know, um, I had ideas for doing a thing piece um, because I, I love that one, and I I also had you know notions for doing them in the mouth of madness piece that i might revisit because that's one of my favorite john carpenter movies dude um, underrated yeah it's it's i've often said it's like the best hp lovecraft adaptation that's not an actual hp lovecraft adaptation right right um, right and so, I, I loved your shirt do you read Sutter oh yeah the Sutter Kane one that was great um one of my favorite things about that movie too is the fact that he wanted to use enter sandman for the theme music and metallica is like no we're not gonna let you use it and john carpenter's response is like fuck it i'll write a ripoff version and so the opening music is like you listen to it it's almost enter sandman but it's not <laughs> quite it i like the soundtrack but now that you pointed that out that's yeah, kind of funny, like, actually. It's, he wanted Metallica. It. Metallica wouldn't play ball, and John Carpenter's like, I'll do yeah. my own. I'll do my own Metallica. Fine, fuck it. <laughs> but, dude, Sam Neill's performance is Sam great. Sam Neill's great. Um, I love the fact that uh, Julie Carpenter is provides that nice fish-eyed, creepy look. Um, Francis, uh, Francis Bay as uh, Mrs. Pickman, the, the hotel uh owner is she does her usual creepy shit like and Sutter Kane and Sutter Kane that guy's Jurgen I don't know if I'm probably butchering his name Jurgen yeah. Prochnow sure um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah man I just throw I'm just throwing out ideas because we we're on the same page with movies yeah. and, and I mean and there's stuff there's like that. such a wealth of great cult material to to do and uh one of the one of the fun things about doing these kind of pieces for the galleries is that you know trying to find pieces and find interpretations that haven't been done before. Uh, like I said earlier with Big Lebowski, that was one of my hesitations with doing a Big Lebowski piece because I feel like Big Lebowski's been done to death. Uh, Leon the Professional, you could like Google mm. Leon the Professional alternate movie poster or fan art, and you will get pages and pages. Like I feel like almost everybody's done one, right? Um, and I like I and I'm seeing now more often in shows. Maybe it's also getting some newer artists and people who also have a similar sensibility of people picking movies that aren't quite as iconic cult movies, but do have a, a large fan base. Um, from my solo show, the surprise to me was the first piece to sell out, and I I did a variant edition print. Was I had a piece inspired by the clue movie uh it was a miss miss scarlet and the, the whole one plus two plus one plus one the counting the bullets yeah. thing and people like went nuts for it and it's like 
Clue is is another one that's like so underrated, and I think feel like in yep. recent years it's really come up and people are discovering it. Good, and uh, I'm a big fan. It's one of my yeah. favorites. That's why I put those watch. pieces in the tr- in the intro to the video. Yeah. You know, I had to throw it in and there, but yeah. and it's like uh, it's it's one of those movies I feel like right now is finally getting a lot of that cult love that like Good. so so many other movies have gotten before. Um, and I think that's really cool when you see. Uh, especially even newer movies that have come out. I've heard a lot of good things about the love witch and I've seen some great art inspired by it. I haven't seen it yet. I've seen the trailer. I'm like, this looks bananas. I want to right. see this. I heard of it. I have not seen it either. Yeah. It's like, it's a love letter. Like it's like a throwback to like 1960s, like acid it's, horror movie. It's, it's like, a recent movie. Yeah. I think it's, um, I want to say 20, 2019, maybe. Oh shit. Um, 2018. Okay. Pretty recent, but they, they've, if you watch the trailer, it looks like one of those like like acid trip like horror like sex movies from like the, right. the late sixties or early seventies. Exactly. It, uh, oh it, shit! I've seen a lot of great fan art come out of that too, so that's right. really cool. Yeah. Well, brother, this was an honor and a privilege to have well, you thank here. Thank you for having me. This is, I love talking cheesy movies and, and music, <laughs> and we got off on so many tangents, but hope I didn't bore too many people with oh, my, my old man chat. lectures. <laughs> the Grumpy Old Man Podcast. <laughs> starting a new podcast. <laughs> Rabbi. Rabbi. Why do oh, they man. have to use computers? <laughs> <laughs> oh man but uh yeah man it was it was really awesome having you here on a friday you have a great weekend my friend you too thanks and, so and much like we t- like we tell all our guests make this your second home man seriously anytime you want to come hang out talk movies or love to come back show again. us something you got coming out plug it uh let us know man for sure absolutely thanks so much don't go anywhere don't go anywhere steven all right guys all you badasses watching thanks for hanging out with us tonight uh don't forget tomorrow at 6 p.m. Pacific time, you don't want to miss it. Is Predator 2 really that bad? Discussion. It's gonna. It's fucking hilarious. You gotta watch it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Okay. So that's at 6 p.m. tomorrow, and uh, 1 p.m. Sunday we have an interview with Kevin Lucata, martial artist and stuntman. We'll be hanging out with uh, the samurai guy, and the next week is a whole full. We got something every single uh, day next week. So. A lot of cool stuff happening to the channel. If you're new here, thanks for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And follow Steven's Instagram account. That's right. <laughs> the link for the description is in the box below. That's right. So make sure you guys follow and uh, buy all his stuff. Buy it all. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. Take care.